How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. I got a great one for you. I know we've all been waiting for this. It's time for a new Bendis tapes, and why not? Man, our boy Brian has really had a hell of a couple of months the last uh, few weeks, uh, starting, of course, with uh, the decision to leave Marvel and to join DC after 18 years at Marvel. Unbelievable. And, uh, man, we've already heard it's going to be Superman. It's going to start with Action Comics 1000, uh, then a six-week Man of Steel uh, miniseries. I think in between that, a DC Nation special issue uh, co-written with Tom King and Scott Snyder. Jinx World, all the books, Scarlet and Powers and Takio and a bunch of new projects all moving to DC. And there's some great details about that. He's also got a new creator imprint, much like Young Animal, getting started at DC. And we'll talk a bit about that. Back at the beginning of December, we were all ready to uh, have a Bendis tapes then. And then uh, something happened to Brian. He had a big health scare. He got a MRSA infection that went septic. It blinded him. It threw him in the hospital for... A couple of weeks, and uh, it was touch and go, and Bendis literally could have died, and he goes into great detail about the experience. There's a lot of good stories in there as Brian details his days in the hospital, the support he got from his friends, the rock that is Elisa Bendis. I mean, wow. What a woman, man. Uh, you're, you're really going to get a great feel of uh, how important Elisa is in Brian's life, uh, business-wise, family-wise. Uh, and, uh, man, what a rock. Seriously, very impressed with uh, the stories about Elisa. You'll also hear some really great heartwarming stories about, uh, as Brian put it, some of the Word Balloon uh, regulars, like uh, Matt Fraction and Greg Rucka and Mike Oming and uh, lots of other people in the comics community, both locally in Portland and uh, really a lot around the entire comics community. And, again, I'll let Ben to say it in his own words. But don't worry, this isn't a bummer podcast. There's a lot of funny stories in here, especially a lot about Superman and Brian's plans for Superman. And we go into great detail about all of these things from that first Action 1000 story drawn by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Wow. Uh, The various artists he'll have on Man of Steel and uh, everything moving forward for Brian and Superman. Really neat stuff about Clark Kent, Lois Lane, the entire Daily Planet staff. What does truth, justice, and the American way mean to both Clark Kent and Superman? And I think Brian has a very thoughtful answer to that question. It's a very introspective Bendis tapes on this edition of Word Balloon, and I'm really excited to bring it to you today. It's all brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support. This episode really does kind of show what I try to do with Word Balloon. And it's easy for me because I just hand it off to the guests and they go. You know, it's already been an amazing February with great conversations with Jeff Lemire and Fred Van Lente, and, and Brian brings his aim game as well. So uh, I thank you, League of Word Balloon listeners, for your support. If uh, you already uh, are a fan of Word Balloon, the best thing you could do is let a friend know that loves comics and loves the comics culture and let them know what kind of conversations you hear right here at Word Balloon. And it's supported by the League of Word Balloon listeners and their contributions and subscribing via Patreon. Uh, you can do that at uh, patreon.com slash wordballoon or go to my front page of wordballoon.com. You can click on the Patreon ad there. And uh, all I can say is thank you. Uh, you're, you've been there and you've been helping me out this year, uh, this fa- past year, 2017, and the beginnings of 2018, and uh, couldn't do it without you. So thank you again, League of Word Balloon listeners. 
Wordballoon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. And there is plenty of Brian Bendis product waiting for you at InStock Trades. And this is your last chance to get them, I guess, under the, the Marvel imprint. Some of these things. You can get uh, the Brian Bendis Crime, Crime Noir Omnibus. Uh, this is uh, Brian, Mark Andreco, uh tons of his uh, original Jinx World stuff. And uh, it's 50% off, just $62.50. You can get Brian Michael Bendis 10 Years at Marvel, the trade paperback. Uh, that is available at 60% off, just $13.99. And there are volumes of Brian and Alex Maleev's uh, Ultimate Daredevil collection. You can get uh, books 1, 2, and 3. Uh, there's Avengers by Bendis, Guardians of the Galaxy, The New Avengers. So many collections of Brian's at excellent prices at InStockTrades.com. Take a look for yourself. You're going to find a lot of product from him and more at InStockTrades.com. So i got to tell you, and forgive me for taking a personal moment, but I was really scared, as we all were, about what was happening with Brian. He texted me. And, uh, you know, I immediately reached out to a couple of Brian's friends that I knew might have a little more information. And I certainly didn't want to bother Brian just because, you know, I wanted him to heal. But also I was really worried about him. So I was texting him about once a week and he would respond back and we stayed in contact. And, man, I'll tell you, I was really relieved when I saw him uh, uh, with pictures from uh, Burbank at D.C. where uh, we found out exactly uh, – what uh, was going on with uh, him and Scott Snyder, and they had wonderful photographs, and it was funny timing because it was right around the same time as uh, Marvel's retreat. So I kind of figured he was healthy enough, and I'm like, okay, can we talk now? And he's like, yeah. So uh, we just spoke this Tuesday. It was a great conversation, and I'm really excited to bring it to you now. Let's get into the Bendis tapes with Brian Michael Bendis. Welcome back. And here he is now on Word Balloon. All right, long time coming. We talked about maybe doing this, I think, in uh, like right around my birthday, actually. And then somebody got Which sick. When? <laughs> that was uh, December 2nd, kind of? Yeah, no, I, it was literally just before I was felled by my illness. We were going to get on the phone. And, uh, and remember when all we had to talk about was Marvel and DC? We were so excited to talk about that. And yeah. then I was, I was felled. You were stricken. So but you're back. I was stricken down, but I'm back. Yes, I am. I am back. New Bendis tapes. Welcome back, and uh, yeah, man. There's uh, we got a lot to talk about. So uh, yes, do we start? Things with... happen this time. We don't have to make it up like we usually do. This is true. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's going. Uh, now, my, hold on one second. I don't know why my my computer's fli- well. My computer was flickering, which is odd. So I'm just kind of making sure everything's okay. I don't want to do like Gene Colan and I, our first, inter- our first interview, uh, botched the uh, recording and could not have been sweeter. Uh, and he's like, ah, we'll talk uh, tomorrow. That's fine. I like talking. Oh, he redid it with you? What a mensch. Seriously. Are That's you kidding me? Very nice. This is like very literally nice. first year. You know, you and I were having like our um, 12th year of conversations because we started, our first one was either late January or early February of 2006. I feel like we've been doing it longer than that, and I don't mean that in a <laughs> shitty way. I seriously don't mean it in a shitty way. I feel, I feel, I'll, I'll have to look into this. No, it's not definitely. that I don't trust you. Yeah, no, like, no, it's it. true. So that's great. That was very um, Mike Stivic on All in the Family because we haven't had sex in six weeks, and I think it's longer. Yeah, it's funny. Anyway, what so, what a reference! Well, <laughs> there, there it is. All right, so tell me. Tell me everything. All right, let me you dig know, in. Where, where All right, do you so want to begin you, your story? Yeah. Tell me, tell me what you want to talk about first. That's uh, well, 
Well, let's go chronologically. Yeah, because well, I guess obviously the first question would be, why was it the right time to leave Marvel? Uh, I was at the end of a contract. Well, first we 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 rewind a few years. This isn't the first time DC has courted me, or um, we've we've had talks in my, over my last contract a few years ago. We had a very serious conversation, hmm. and at the end of the day, it wasn't time yet. It just wasn't. I didn't feel like I was done with what I was doing. So would it have been around the time of the New 52? Would it have been around the time of DCU? Because obviously DC... Uh, I, I don't know. About, about whatever three or four years ago would have been. I, I'm sorry, I can't do the math in my head. But, uh, um, but but you know, about it's about a three-year contract. So about, let's say, three and a half years from past this. You know, so okay. uh, before... And uh, and so we we have nice talks and you know I've known Jim a very long time and I've known Jeff a very long time uh, uh, and you know Jeff actually for those who like the who like the trivia um, Jeff Johns has a letter in the first Powers letter column and we didn't even know each other he was just a fan and he liked it and he wrote me a letter and I published it and uh, so that that's how deep uh, Jeff's legitimate uh uh niceness to me goes um back when neither of us could do a damn thing just liking each other's stuff so um we would talk but it wasn't time and uh this time there was a genuine sense because the legacy project that we're we're still in the middle of um, the, the, was was bring the thunder was like bring bring the point of your book to to the forefront and really really get into it right and it was something I, I love to do so but by by the by that very nature I'm really writing what could be the last story of any of these um, storylines thinking that well I'm definitely gonna um, you know I spent about a year or two years sustaining three brand new characters in the market like Miles. Riri and Jessica all starring in their own books and all succeeding, yes. right? I was very proud of that. I go, that I've done something this year. I, I can really no one cares about but me, but I care about it and I'm very proud of it. And um so what will I do next? And we were talking about things I would do next, and um I I can't tell you enough how generous and awesome everyone was being to me at Marvel. But at the same time, you could tell there was like a struggle, like what haven't I done? You know what I mean? Like legitimately well, like, and, and there was talk of me doing Wolverine and there was talk of me doing Deadpool and some other big projects. Tom particularly was being very uh, ambitious with me and, and, and uh, things he was pitching uh, for me to do. Uh, But, Gee, it just, it just, it just felt like you know mountain climbed, and at the same time, uh, Dan DiDio in particular, his plan for the year, his plan for the future, his plan for what the industry needs right now is unbelievable. It is, it is, it is, it is a home run from top to bottom, uh, and uh, he laid it all out for me, and I really felt like okay, not only does he have a plan. He knows what he needs to implement the plan, and um, I, I, I was I couldn't hop on fast enough. Honestly, I was completely uh, just just and I did. I remember 
he 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 texted me a couple of days after our meeting and goes, you know what? I have a creative um, challenge for you. And he told it to me, and it's something about the 80s, in which you'll see in my work later in the year, because I did accept the challenge. And I wrote back, oh, you and me would have been best friends in, in high school, <laughs> just based on what he, you know, what, what was on yeah. his mind. So, yeah. uh, so I liked Dan a great deal. And, um, you know, the, 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 it was the weirdness of it is that uh, I have to now negotiate in silence. You know what I mean? Like no one can know about it. I, I, I and uh, um, you know, there, there, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on. And, and it was it was sad to write to my friends at, at Marvel, who are my friends. They're still my friends, sure. and say I gotta go. And knowing that they kind of knew I had to go, and but still, it's a bummer. So we we had to get through that. And I was most worried about. Um, you know, obviously my relationship with Joe, but um, because Joe is awesome, there was nothing to worry about and we're, we're great. And uh, so I, I did. I had to say goodbye to everybody. And I did so and then uh, surprised everybody with this big surprise that no one at DC or Marvel knew about. Nobody knew about this. Because yeah. the people who would know, who didn't know was so surprised to find out they didn't know something that they, they can't get over it. So it, it's uh, uh, very hard to do anything in secret in any business, really. I mean, it's, you know, as soon as lawyers get involved, then there's other people involved and there's people hearing things and, you know, it's, it's hard to keep things in the vault. But uh, um, DC uh, proved that they could do it. It was pretty impressive. Very cool. And I know that, uh, again, <laughs> I, I saw at conventions a few times where you and Jeff would be on stage together and, you know, obviously oh, yeah, genuine yeah. mutual respect. doesn't surprise me what you're saying about DiDio uh, because uh, every conversation I have with him on the record and off the record is a delight and he's a really yeah, – I, he's I just, an ambitious, you know, you know, creator himself. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that I genuinely had never spoken to the man. I, You know, Jeff I had spoken to, you know, and, you know, there would be – I wouldn't say that, you know, it's infrequent when I, I speak to anyone who is working at DC because it's weird. It, it's weird to, even if you're friends with someone at another company, there really is just so much you can say without putting them in a weird position. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like you don't yeah, want to call up your friend. Tell yeah, radio's like that as well. Absolutely. Competitors. No, and it's friendly yeah, competitors. Yeah, you, you, you don't want to say something. Yeah, they they will desperately want to use to defeat you, but they can't because of betray your trust. So, you know, you find yourself not talking to people you really like sure. um, as much as you'd want to, just because the, really, the things you want to talk to uh, talk about you can't talk about. So, um, but but I you know and hung out with Jim in quite quite a few conventions, uh, hung out with Jeff, but I never spoken to Dan, never even had a meal with him. So um, getting to know him over the last couple months has been, as you said, an absolute delight. He just he is he is a uh, uh, very interesting and genuine man, and, and has done right by me at every turn. I'm going to ask the macro questions before we get into specific titles and characters. Um, given that sure. DC Entertainment has you know its fingers in TV and film and digital media and stuff, will you be playing in those arenas as well for DC? Uh, at the moment, I am not at the moment, uh, the things I'm doing in television and film haven't been announced yet, uh, are happening. 
and are very exciting. So my my uh, dance card in that area at the moment is full. But, uh, you know, as I get deeper and deeper into things, we'll we'll see if 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 and where I could possibly be needed and uh, and how that goes. But uh, I I, uh, uh, I have some stuff going on. It's pretty exciting. You're going to punch me. If you find out one of them. Punch me right <laughs> All right. Can you talk about that on the show? You dick. Anyway. No, 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 no. Uh, it's fine. Uh, I don't want to screw up anybody's marketing plans. You know that. Um, it's, 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 yeah, it's good. So there's, there's just some stuff going on, but, um, the, the macro, the macro really is, uh, in publishing, uh, partnership wherever we can find it. it um, uh, yeah. you know, I, I've been talking a lot about just, just, you know, being, being part of the machine and, you know, what's fascinating, I, I will tell you having, having, uh, dove head first in, at DC last week and, and, uh, being so immersed in, in the culture at Marvel, it's absolutely fascinating how different they do everything. They do everything completely different and then get to the same conclusion to, to make the same product. It's fascinating. Well, that doesn't surprise me. My favorite quote from our friend John Hickman is, you know, books are on the shelf for entirely different reasons. Yeah. Or different comics for different reasons and stuff. So that, and also uh, dealing with the two companies, I know they, some things they do differently. So you did a, I, I mean, um, you were at a recent uh, DC retreat, kind of, you know, a summit, a creative summit, right? Uh, it wasn't a retreat. It was kind of like a mini thing. I was coming down to, you know, we're building a lot of stuff over, over at, um, over in Burbank. Uh, Jinx World is, is a pretty big, um, uh, build and also yes. this uh, custom print, which we'll talk about later in the say, year. Say that again. Uh, what kind uh, of point? What is it? Uh, a custom imprint. Yeah. Uh, um, imprint. Yeah. Uh, and and that that is a, a grand undertaking as well. So uh, my wife and I had popped down uh, to Burbank, which, by the way, another plus, just popping down to Burbank instead of flying to New York in the middle of winter. <laughs> and um, believe me, I and it was very cute. I was getting pictures from the Marvel retreat, and I was like, you know, you're in the snow, haha. Anyway, so um, I, which call it? I um, was down there, and then Scott Snyder was down there to run a little mini room for uh, No Justice with uh, um, uh, Josh Williamson and uh, Joe Tynan. So it was. Um, it was it it looked like we were all there for a big retreat but we were all like there for different reasons but then Scott and I uh, crossed over our reasons and, and used our time to kind of uh break bread with editorial and get them all, all up to snuff them what, what our big plans are for the year and how and how much you know how much cool stuff we have to play with that's terrific that's excellent yeah, well great. and and, and I and Scott's someone I've known like ever ever since Scott bro- broke in Scott's been um you're just, just lovely, uh, and if you so people can get a real sense of what he's like online, and and he's like that in person, and um, um, so yeah, I I was I was so happy that he and Tom and everybody were so uh, uh gracious in in me coming over. Uh, I would not have been. <laughs> <laughs> if, if the roles reversed, I would have been pretty pissy. New neighbors, uh, it'd be nasty. Yeah. New neighbors, interesting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How is that uh, DC facility? I, you know, I mean, I, I know it's like, 
all, all the tchotchkes are out and everything and you know it's everywhere and so nice it's all nice and cool and you know the bathrooms are cool and it's, everything was cool <laughs> aquaman urinals i'm assuming in the bathrooms and everything uh was that aquaman urinals no i'm sorry to sorry to disappoint you no it's, that's very disappointing yeah. so you mentioned you know jinx world is moving over to DC. Yeah. So so yeah, how is that going to be packaged? And obviously, you know, people might have volumes, you know, in your previous iterations of Jinx World. So it, you know, I, I obviously there's the people that on their shelf is my is my DC Jinx going to line up with my image AKA yes. Goldfish or uh, Yes, or I, I I I people have to remember what a fan I am and what a book nerd I am. I would never sell anything to anybody piss me off. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, so, so yes, the, the, uh, uh, the, lo- the logos will be different, but the, the spine and the uh, format and everything will remain the same. Um, okay. and we're going to try some new uh, formats as well. Um, but what, what we're talking about here with Jinx World is really what DC, uh, offered that, that, um, I, I was delighted with, which was the, um, the level of partnership. This isn't, you know, them just publishing my work and, um, hoping for the best. This is some legitimate partnership. Um, they're treating these books as as if they're their own. There, there's there's a marketing campaign behind them. There's a distribution campaign behind them. It's it's um, you know it's 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 real stuff, and it, it gives us a almost unheard of second chance to really you know get Jinx World up and running uh, at the level it should have been the entire time. Which is, you know, more robust. When you mention other, you know, other forms and stuff like that, can you give us any details on what things might look like, or what other, you know, platforms or whatever? Yeah, we're still playing with it, but um, so we're going to be continuing the books that ne- that need to be continued, like Scarlet and Powers, and then we're debuting some new books, which we'll be debuting, um, announcing in about a month from now, um, and for some pretty big collaborations, stuff that I think people are going to be really excited about, and. Um, you know, we're going to see what like what the story uh, tells us the format should be. Um, you know, I, I, I keep looking at this format and wondering if we're not a little stuck uh, in, in a format that may be um, old fashioned to uh, to newer readers. So we'll see. I, and, and I'm not going to force it to force it. And I know there's when you start messing with formats, you start messing with uh, retailers, genuine commercial interest in your product. Sure. Uh, they don't like your new format. No, they do. I mean, this is, and, and so there's some retailers who will argue with this, but I can tell you, as a publisher for many, many years, as genuine fact, if you try a new format, you're basically killing yourself because there's certain retailers who just don't have the shelf space or the inclination to make the shelf space for that new format. Understood. They have, they have their grid and they want to fill, which is completely their um their call. Yeah. So. But at the same time, I think new formats need to be uh, 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 attempted and changed. I know other people are trying it too. I'm not saying they're not. But um, look at how commercial and appealing the YA graphic novel is to that audience. Like how much entertainment they get for that money. You know what I mean? And, I and, and how, how, how fulfilled they are. And, and, and I'm wondering if we should be more along those lines than we are right now. Okay. DC announced, uh, speaking of YA books and everything, they just announced a couple of imprints, and they announced yes. a lineup of creators, uh, including my dear friends uh, Art, Art and Franco of uh, Times yes. Titans fame. So, uh, well, and, then, and by the way, 
this announcement you're speaking of is part of the multi-prong attack that Dan has planned. And when you hear it all laid out and you see and literally at every turn, even you start digging through that announcement, there's like six or seven books and you immediately go, Ooh, I would like to, I would like to write this second. Um, that is what's coming from DC. Makes sense. And, and, you know, yeah. And I think of things like Takio for you, where you, you know, that yeah. that's clearly a YA product and everything. And and, 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 and that will be part of Jinx world and the relaunch and doing another volume, but through, uh, the the machinery of, of of what they're doing with their YA, which will help it find its audience in in, in, in just in a more a more logical way. Okay. As far as the DC universe, like because um, I've always you know we in our twelve years of conversations and stuff, we've talked a lot about yeah. Marvel. I remember it. Yeah, and, and DC. We've talked a lot about DC. We have, and and actually, I was. I think you're going to have to go back and edit some of it out, but you know. <laughs> I remember a time when you said I and and, and truly I I know you've said this and I don't remember which episode or what, but it was early on no. where you're like you know I don't know if I get Superman I don't know if I can write Superman <laughs> exactly no, never about Superman and you find the tape find the tape I say yeah, John. you're gonna make you're gonna make me go through yeah, exactly dozens of hours <laughs> but I'll do it I'll no, do it it's funny because somebody sent me my review of the Man of Steel movie from many years ago. Uh, which I was about five, six years ago already. And I read it and I was pretty, I was pretty hard on the movie. Uh, and you can reading it, uh, you can see my feelings are genuinely hurt. I love Superman so much. Like, I like it, like it's like, it's almost my heart's broken. Uh, so yeah, I, I have to say, and I have to say based on how much material I had in the house ready to do my research, like I didn't have to go buy <laughs> I, 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 my, my love of Superman goes back to the Superman parade in Cleveland. Uh, me growing up in Cleveland, my Superman love is deep and long. Was that a yearly tradition for the Superman parade in Cleveland? No, uh, it's actually a very funny story. I did a, a, a comic book strip about this actually, uh, years ago. I was still going to the Cleveland Institute of Art. Um, okay. there was a, uh, a Superman parade, you know, a big, like Superman takes over Cleveland as this, you know, charity event to raise money to break ground for the Superman Museum, which would, you know, open up near the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay. And, um, yeah, and, and it was all, and you can Google a lot of this. Um, there was this poster that was drawn by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez of, wow. of Clark Kent, you know, changing the Superman with the Terminal Tower of Cleveland behind him. And they were going to do this parade and a big convention and all of it goes to this museum. Um, I got the gig to draw all of the signs on the parade cars. Um, and I was so excited to have this gig. There was no money because it was charity. So I got paid in Superman memorabilia, all of which I still have, which again says that I you, – you cannot pull this quote that you just accused me of. And – uh, um, uh, the other thing is, so I spent like so much time drawing like all these, um, uh, like, you know, signs for the cars, like, you know, celebrities and uh, combo creators. And I did one for Marv Wolfman and I did one for, uh, uh, Jonathan Frakes and Mark Hamill was supposed to be there. 
I remember some people were switching in and out, and I don't remember who exactly made it, but I do remember that Stan Lee came uh, for Siegel and Schuster. They were both too ill, or one had already passed. Again, I'm sorry if I don't remember my dates, but there was a reason where Stan was showing up for them, right, as a as a show of uh, solidarity. Sure. And I was so excited that I got to draw the um, uh, this uh, Stan Lee, uh, the sign for Stan Lee's car. So all night long, I was getting calls. This one fell out. This one's in, blah, blah, blah. So I kept redrawing or re- redoing the signs. And then when I got there at 6 in the morning with all the signs, I'm covered in Crayola marker and poster board. And uh, the bus pulls up. The guest bus pulls up. And out comes Stanley, all full of energy and coffee. And he's like, Brian Michael Bendis. And he comes up to me and he grabs me by the shoulders. And I'm like, you know my name? I couldn't like, believe it. And he just whispers in my ear, you're wearing a name tag, schmuck. And he slapped me on the back and walked away. <laughs> it was the first time, ever, first time I ever met Stan, by the way. And I believe I told you this years ago, but in the context of now, I'm the Superman writer. It's pretty funny. So I did all these um, uh, signs for the parade, and I got paid in two things, in Superman memorabilia and time with the artists. I needed time, uh, like, like, like tutorial time, right? And George Perez was there, and he gave me an immense amount of editorial uh, tutorial time and wow. some stuff that really rattled me, like like got under my skin and stayed with me as a creator in a good way. Wow. Um, and so it was a great weekend for me, the Superman parade uh, and the Superman convention. And then uh, supposedly somebody ran off the money. There was no Superman museum. Oh, that's like, horrible. You never, you never heard about it again. There was all this like uh, rumors, and I know you could Google. There's a couple of stories you could Google, but uh, the the money never got where it was supposed to go. But that was Cleveland in the '70s and '80s, man. I mean, it, Cleveland is is a gangster town. Yeah, I'm hip. I, it I, is. I know. I know, man. I, I mean, I've been writing about it like my whole life, and like every time people go, "Oh, that happened in Cleveland." I go, That's all that happens in Cleveland. Sure. Well, you know, again, being in Chicago, I can relate. So. Yes, you know, but but Chicago doesn't deny it. Cleveland's kind of shrugs. (laughs) Chicago, where is it? Super Bowl Shuffle, that album was supposed to be for charity, and yeah, they asked the accountants, yeah, we're not sure what happened. Uh, Yeah, we know it sold a lot of money, but it didn't make any money. (laughs) So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I I remember, but it was a great, I, I truly had this great, one of the great experiences of my life in comics, uh, because of this parade and this, um, uh, show and I, I thought about it a great deal as I um, um, you know take this responsibility because uh, it, it was it, like you know moving to DC isn't a, a small thing <clears throat> it isn't just a little bit of paperwork it, it is a major upheaval it is you know I've been in business at, with Marvel for 18 solid years it's an enormous amount of paperwork and stuff and you know what I mean? And Jessica Jones and Miles Morales just took so many pieces. And so so moving over had to be really, really uh, attractive. You know, and yeah. and and they and they did it. They they got it there, but but as I was sitting there thinking about it, like do do I pull this trigger? Um as I said in, in the in the article, I, I had gone back to Cleveland for my brother's wedding uh, a few months ago. Uh, with this freshly on my mind, and at the same time, I, I had heard from the 
uh, Cleveland Public Library, they had asked if they uh, if they could house my living archive. And uh, I was weirded out about that as well. Um, uh, so I was going to go over there to talk to them about it as long as I was in town because I was unclear about what it meant. Yeah. And when I walked to the library, uh, my, my friend John, who, who is someone at the library uh, high up, uh, he, he had put on this gigantic Superman exhibition without knowing anything that was going on in my life. Um, and I walk into the library where I used to hang out all the time. Like this was our hang. And I walk in and it's been transformed into the Superman Museum. And I, there's a video of it online. You can link to the video. I put it on, on YouTube okay. so people can see what I was faced with when I was thinking about it. Because I, I made a video for my wife originally just to say, you won't believe what I just fucking walked into while I'm sitting there <laughs> thinking about Superman. And, uh, and, and hilariously, I didn't even told Dan that's what I wanted to do if I came there. Like, we hadn't even had that conversation. Like, what exactly would I do? Yeah. And... Uh, or what, what was I interested in? Like, like, you know, what, 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 what are they looking for? You know? And, um, um, so yeah, I was very, very moved by this, this Superman, uh, uh, exhibit that, that flooded me with all the memories, uh, both personal and, and macro about Superman, about Cleveland, about my Judaism, about my connection to it, all of it. And I, I just walked right over to my wife afterwards and went, yeah, I, I think I gotta, I think I gotta, I think I gotta do this. So, um, so yeah, so that was that. And then, and then I, uh, called Dan and I go, uh, so, uh, how you set on Superman? <laughs> cause it's, it's always tough cause you don't want to get anyone fired from sure. their gig. You don't want to take someone's gig. Right. But if you want to know if, if in six months that gig is available, you want to raise your hand, but you, you don't want to say, all right, get them out of here. That, that, Cause the people do do that. And it's kind of gross. Totally. It, it it's not nice. And right. it does come back to haunt you. So, well, and, um, and, and really the, as you acknowledged in the press release, Superman's in great hands right now. I mean, Tomasi yeah, and Jurgens and, and Pat Gleason and Zercher and, uh, Doug Monkey and all these guys that have been doing it since Rebirth, I, I, as as a very frustrated Superman fan that went through the New Fifty Two and uh, DCU, and all you know, I mean, really, the last to me, the last great Superman stories were when James Robinson and Rucka were still doing New Krypton, and then James was kind of wrapping things up before handing things over to J. Michael Straczynski, and truly, that's when the frustration began because he got sick. And, you know, couldn't complete his run. But thankfully, you know, again, you know, uh, Jurgens and, and uh, Tomasi and company righted this ship. And literally, I'm like, oh, there's Superman. There, there's he, you know, where's he been? Good Lord. Thank God it's back in his voice. And no disrespect to the people that were doing it in between. It just was, it didn't feel like Superman. And clearly, the audience felt the same way. So well, and, and for those who who agree with you and I that Superman has been quite excellent lately. Yes. Um, and, I, and I've dug very deep into this stuff and I and I've read ahead as well. And uh, it is it is phenomenal hands. And I also want to tell you that um, uh, someone and this is kind of the, the cool part of um, the, the switching of teams is that I have all these new people in my life that I've never met before, but who I've worked alongside in comics for many, many years. Like I've never met Dan Jurgens in my life. 
some people I have met just in passing at parties at, uh, you know, at, uh, at events, you know, sure. and then there's other people who, uh, you know, I, I stay, I stay home in my room. I'm in my basement all day. You know, I don't, you know, <laughs> so, um, when I came, to, I came to DC, um, before I got sick, um, and, uh, and he, uh, you know, just to meet everybody and kind of like meet the editors and see who, who I liked and who I didn't like, who I wanted to work with, who, you know, just to get a sense of stuff, you know? And, uh, just like a giant meet and greet, and and uh, Dan Didio took me and Jurgens out to lunch uh, with Jim Lee, uh, literally just to break bread and talk, and and just to, for me to find out that Dan Jurgens is a lovely, classy individual. Yes, he is. Uh, going up into helping me this morning with something that I need to help with, and uh, um, and also I guess for Dan to find out I'm not a piece of crap. So um, it was. It, it was no, but it was a very good move on, on Dan's part because it it it, it, it the, the transition's absolutely lovely, and Dan knows, uh, you know, I, I'm not I'm not tossing his stuff. There's no reboot going on here, right? So um, I'm I'm going in a in a in a unique direction because that is what I should do as as my own creator. But uh, I am I am not abandoning what he has done, and I know DC more than Marvel. Has a, has a history of uh, abandoning uh, takes and, and things like that. So I get where the paranoia comes from. Sure. Uh, but that's one of the things uh, I'm going to attempt to help with, like not go in that direction. You know, Don't make things more confusing, um, in a, as, particularly when these characters and these icons are so charismatic that there really is no reason to. Um, but, but, it, but, uh, for people who are paying attention to who's drawing my Superman books, the fact that I'm keeping so many people <laughs> that work on the Superman books right now should be a, uh, a big clue to how good I think these Superman books have been lately. Run, so, run down uh, the list for me. I, yeah. Who are your artists then? Oh, number one is Pat Gleason, who I think is just phenomenal. I think he's Michael Golden good. And uh, (laughs) I've kind of done everything I can to get him to stay and to look at my run as uh, uh, as a furthering of his run as well. So um, uh, him, I I, I, see this is is insanely cool because Ivan Rice and Ryan Sook, uh, like all all these people have been working on these books. uh, uh, But uh, looking for a moment to really just for themselves, look for like a real signature moment for themselves. Like Ivan was really looking to like make a statement about Superman. And I, I, and the people have already seen from those first covers that this is, it's going to happen. You can see it. It's coming. So, um, you know, I get to work with, you know, DC has a great stable of artists and Marvel has a great stable of artists. And it's just cool. I'm, 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 I'm going to have this like cool moment in April and May where, I'm literally, if you look at the artist lineup of Man of Steel into Superman, and then look at the artist lineup of just Iron Man 600, uh, it is literally every great name in comics right now. <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that would that that would work with me. <laughs> that's excellent. <laughs> so yeah, so it's it's really really cool. And in fact, it was it, it's been so lovely behind the scenes. May I say, uh, some of it I think amplified by my by my illness. Um, 
do that. Anyone whose feelings were hurt about anything, you know, like, ah, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're all alive. Well, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, gets to a human level. Tom Brevoort. Tom Brevoort uh, got. Um, they had like one more variant cover assignment for Iron Man six hundred, and he literally got me one of the artists that we could never ever lock down. And he locked him down and just wrote, let's see your Superman editor do that. It was pretty funny. <laughs> I was like, I'm benefiting very well from all of it. So uh, I, uh, and also, you know, it, it's interesting. There's, there's things that I've just learned in my life. There's some storytelling philosophies that I, I hold so dearly that I share very deeply with like Joe and Tom and, and, and my friends at Marvel, you know, and CB, we, 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 we all, we all hold to, very, very similar ideas of what works and what doesn't work and what's true and what's not true, you know, and to apply them to these new characters is fascinating. Just it, 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 it is um, uh, it's weird to keep hearing from people how shot out of a can I am because I felt I was like that about everything. But it, it seems that I'm uh, I'm so wound up about um, the challenge of working in the DC universe that I, I, I'm, I'm out of my mind. Well, yeah, you know, I and, and believe me, I, I do want to talk about the illness, and I also want to talk about, you know, uh, wrapping things up at Marvel, but that opens a new set of questions about DC. Sure. Because, um, you know, I, I loved when uh, Kurt Busiek did uh, the JLA Avengers book with George Perez, and the sure, Marvel, yeah, the Marvel yeah. characters... I just, I just read it uh, like a month ago. I believe it. The, the Marvel The Marvel characters entered the DC universe, and they're like, everything's clean. What's, what's everything seems bright here? What the hell's going on? And truly, obviously, tonally, there always has been a difference between the two universes. And I'm, yeah, I am interested because, you know, you, you, I came to you through your crime comics and, you know, the Ultimate Universe. And, and there, even the Ultimate Universe was a little brighter than 616. But, you know, yeah, DC really is. You know, the lights are on. There's, I mean, thank God there is Gotham and the alleys of Gotham. Because other than that, it seems like all the lights are on. There's nowhere, there's no dark corner no, to hide in the DC universe. Very yellow and orange and, yeah, very bright and shiny. <laughs> in a good way. I loved it. You know. I like that, too. I don't know, because even I'm writing with um, more color notes than I've done. I, I, and maybe it's because I'm, I'm working with different colorists too, but, um, Interesting. um, the, the, the color means a, a lot to me in, in these stories as well. Like Superman brings a lot of color with him. Like it, the color all means something. Sure. Well, it's, it, and by the way, thank God the trunks, trunks are back. I mean, it's so, I, I, Hey, no offense to Jim's, Jim, yeah, I, 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 but good Lord. It's like, there was never anything wrong with that costume. And it, uh, it would always, from Grant Morrison, who again I love and I love his point of view, but from the sexual fetish input of why does he have his underwear on the outside to just that lack of circus knowledge of have you never seen an you know an acrobat or you know even old movies which you know yeah of course you haven't seen old movies uh, I get it but it's like yeah there's nothing wrong with the trunks on the outside and thank God Superman looks like Superman again. Well, I, so I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds on this, but it's been very, very funny behind the scenes because basically uh, I was offered the trunks. Huh? Uh, I, was, I was not uh, having my head up my own ass. I was not fully aware of the trunks controversy that has been dogging uh, Superman uh, for, for the last little while. Um, I, I do vaguely remember seeing some noise about it, but you know, I got my own, I got my own problems. 
And uh, um, uh, uh, when we, when I told Dan, I, I, I go, if Superman is available or will be available in, in some time in my contract, I would really like to take a shot at it. Right. Okay. And he was genuinely surprised by that. I, I do know that. I, I think everyone uh, assumed something with Batman was coming, well, of but course. you yeah. know, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's funny to me that everyone says, of course, and everyone, everyone does. Cause it's literally like something I, I definitely want to do, but uh, I, uh, I, I thought Superman was, of course, but uh, but so um, also Batman always seems well taken care of as well. Like sure. like you know what I mean? Like it always looks like there's like eight people who really got it under control. <laughs> like you know, like, it, like it, it looks it looks like it looks covered. You know. Anyway, so uh, not that Superman didn't. Superman, Mister Oz, not my story. But one was, one was one was pulling to me more. Okay. You know, and, uh, and, you know, he calls me back as we were going over everything. And, you know, we actually were going to, uh, you know, start a new direction with uh, 1000, which is coming up. I go, oh, I like I didn't even know I realized it was so around the corner, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, you go, and I can't help but think that if you're going to start this 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 thing that you want to start that like putting it in action 1000, if that's not too early or too greedy of me, it just seems like, wow, what a great place to to you know land you and say this is definitely part of the legacy and that's how much we believe in it and i was like oh this is super nice and uh um and, and, and more and more the pieces were really falling together in a lovely way um i would literally have to start writing for dc the day after i wrote my last page of marvel but we could do it right so the plan started to cook and and then uh, it's funny. I was thinking about John Byrne while all this was planning. He's, you know, I I I was a teenager when he made the move and made the Man of Steel miniseries, and it was a very big fucking deal in my life. Yes, but sir. I wasn't thinking of him when I was doing this move. Uh, up until it became, I'm going to the Superman's going to be my first big statement at, at DC. Uh, well, then that's very in, in, in line with what, what John Byrne did. And uh, and, and, me, and that, that had me go back to look at that series and my feelings about it at the time and what I would do uh, differently and uh, what I wanted from that series back then. Uh, and, um, and, and so, yeah, so he, he did. He called me up and he goes, I have another idea. Uh, and he goes, Man of Steel. And I go, I knew you were going to do this. I Because it's hanging right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Like, it's right there. Sure. And he goes, I'd really, really like to uh, to do this miniseries and then do the launch. And then, you know, then come right into 1001 with action. I'm like, ah, oh, this sounds so good. It does. All the pieces were coming together so well. And then it was about what are the books about? What is, you know man of steel about and i there's so much reading to do like like i've read a lot of it <laughs> I but bet. Like, absolutely man. it's not it's you know even even like reading all of the x-men comics they still took place over 40 50 years where all the superman comics took place over 80 90 years you know what i mean there's like and a lot there's a lot more comics to read <laughs> yeah, right yes. and a lot more you know so there was a lot of stuff i was thinking of all these ideas and i was writing them down and literally was writing them down in the, I want to ask Dan and Jim and whoever else 
if Superman's ever done this, if they've ever done a story like this. I have an idea of a story like this, right? Whereas, you know, Superman eats a, uh, a buffalo wings. Sure. Have you guys ever done that before? Am I remembering a buffalo wing story or am I thinking of a buffalo wing story? You know, Certainly. so uh, yeah. I called up Dan and I said, I want to ask you questions about Superman that are me just trying to get ideas out of my head if I can't do them for, for either that you've done them already or there's another reason I can't do them. Or, uh, or, or, or you're telling me, yes, you should pursue that idea. We've never done it before. Right. And the first question I asked him, which I will not say here, cause it is the premise of Man of Steel. I go, did you ever do a story about why blah, blah, blah. And he went, no, why did blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, we're going to have a good time. Excellent. Cause he immediately went from, he didn't say no. He said, no, tell me, tell me a story. That's like great. he wanted to hear it. <laughs> so I, I felt the, the hook for Man of Steel was, uh, was strong enough to uh, create, you know, basically that 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 bread base in which you can build the whole story. So um, yeah, so here we go, Superman, That's Man great. of Steel, Action Comics, insane. So are you doing now? You're yeah. doing yeah, Man of Steel's the mini, and then you are doing both Superman and uh, Action Comics. You're doing both. Yeah, here's here here's how how it unloads. Um, Action Comics 1000, which is very much in the um, uh, school of, of like Superman 400 and like Justice League 200. This yep. like massive anniversary special filled with amazing people. In fact, that one piece I sent you today, yes, that wasn't the cover. That was for someone else's story. That's not even for my story. Interesting. That's how good that is. Oh wow! Yeah, I just that, yeah. That's for that's from Action Comics 1000. Oh, that's so. Great. Yeah, so it, it's and I love people know I love these jam books. I make one every six goddamn months at Marvel. <laughs> I love I trying to capture the, the the magic of Superman four hundred. So for them to offer, would you like to be in the in the newest version of that? And here are all these amazing creators that are going to be in as well. Uh, it was it was flooring. They go and Jim says he wants to draw your pages, which is, you know, a, it, it's a big deal. Jim's very busy. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, and I, and I do, I, I, I think the world is Jim and I feel like I've been waiting in line since 1996 to work with him. And so, and also the rhythm of us as creators, like his rhythm as an artist and my rhythm as a writer are very different. So to write to his rhythm, it was very exciting to me. It was like the, 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 like the, the, the biggest challenge. And um, uh, so I handed in those. So, so that came, comes for it. It says Action Comics 1000. 14 and page, so now people 14 know, page story, right? Uh, 10 pages. 10 I think page. it's 11 total. Where, um, But it is not just some cute little backup story or something. It is an actual chapter of Man of Steel. Okay. It is a big reveal of something that's going to happen in Man of Steel, number one. People are immediately going to know what Man of Steel is about and lose their shit. Excellent. Yes. It is It is a lose your shit idea. Beautiful. And, um, uh, uh, and then right after that, uh, a few weeks later, there's DC Nation Zero, which is coming uh, out kind of like incongruent to Free Comic Book Day, like, uh, it's a special, it's three big stories, it's me, Tom King, and Scott Snyder, each giving uh, a very tasty chapter of what we're doing this summer. 
Interesting. Uh, the three big, the three big yummy popsicles of, of DC. So you're getting a big Superman chapter. Now this Superman chapter is drawn by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Wow. Yes. Oh my. Another. God. And so I'm I'm hitting right away two big bucket list names off my uh, off my bucket list list. And um and and so uh, uh and, and him coming out and it is literally him coming out of retirement to do this for for uh, us and it's it's so lovely and i'm so happy to report because we've seen so much nonsense again there have been a brash of misbehaving creators getting a lot more attention than they deserve for their uh behavior whereas uh i wrote uh, uh mr lopez a, a letter describing how much he meant to me and how happy i am that he was taking uh time out of his retirement to do this and that i wanted to make this uh, as as great of an experience for him as humanly possible. And if there's anything that he's wanting to draw or ways that he wants this to be accomplished, uh, and what can I do to make this special for you, Mr. Lopez, right? And he wrote back right away and said, my biggest joy is being in the hands of a good writer who knows the story they want to tell. Tell your story. I'm dying to draw it. Wow. And you're like, oh, yeah, you're the best, yo. And now you're like, well, now I gotta really run my ass off. So, <laughs> I uh, I wrote a very, uh, I, I wrote a piece for him right away. Uh, I literally think on my third day, and my contract was already writing this, and um, uh, with with months of buildup, by the way, that's the other funny thing too, is that though I couldn't start writing until January, I had months of prep work. It was so great, and. Um, and including there is a book called the, the adventures of Superman, the best of Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. You can little like what's, what's better studying than that. Sure. Right. Yes. And, you know, and uh, Jim Lee's work on the absolute justice league editions, freaking phenomenal. So I, I just really, really studying and studying and studying these guys and, you know, just trying to find my version of the voices you want them to feel like the, you know the characters, but you still want to express yourself. It's it's an amazing uh, uh, storytelling experiment. It's crazy. Well, and yeah, I mean, this is the best known cast of characters in comics because of all the yeah. iterations, radio, television, film, and of course, eighty years of comic books. No question. Here's a fun little, here's a fun little thing that I thought I thought of you when I was reading this. There's an actually an excellent timeline book for dc called the the visual history of dc comics i can't recommend it high enough maybe just because it's exactly what i need it's kind of like a primer of everything that happened in by year and they get into that did you know that most of the mythology of superman came out of the radio show yes and I'm glad you say that. Yes, indeed, I do. I did. I actually, I don't think I ever remembered that. And, and I thought it was so interesting that Kryptonite and Krypton and Jimmy Olsen yep. and the Daily Planet and and like big chunks of what we know to be Superman debuted on the radio show. And it's so funny how panicked um, fans get today if something debuts in the movie first. <laughs> That's true. Teaming, it's a worry. Teaming up right? with Batman as well. But you don't know. It, yeah, in 20 years from now, you could be like, that's my favorite thing ever. I'm like, well, that was in the movie first. Yes. You don't know. No, you're right. And and you're right. The, no, the radio show was so instrumental. And it's funny, um, in my night job working at this uh, news station for CBS, in, at midnight we play old-time radio. And every Wednesday they do a chapter 
of the Superman radio show, and they've already gone through the incredible Superman versus the Ku Klux Klan storyline. Yep. Currently, they're doing one of the Batman story team-ups, and Robin is uh, framed for a crime that's being committed by a monkey, and they're literally like, well, Robin's an acrobat, it must be him that's causing these crimes. And it's literally uh, Clark and Batman trying to prove Robin's innocence when Clark isn't Superman, and it's Clark and Batman going to the police. So, yeah, I get it. And, now, and, let, me ask you, let me ask you a question a lot of people be mad at me if I don't ask you. Is this really old-time radio, or is this you in a booth doing this by yourself yeah, it's in the me, it's me with puppets and i'm you know yes of course gosh, gosh i didn't first. say puppets <laughs> i didn't say puppets but things that go clang clang and woo. yeah exactly no well i'm sure they were doing it back in 1941 or whatever it was but yeah no they're really exactly. they're really replaying the old serials it's on a if people are interested it's a series called when radio was they do have a website and i believe you can download uh the episodes and of course archive.org uh the radio the internet archive has tons of old-time radio and and does have Adventures of Superman all the all the shows and it is amazing. Um, it's it's tough. It's a tough listen. I won't deny it. But it uh, like you said, what's this up, is, what's up? Because it's just older. Yeah, because it is old, and it's definitely a kids a kids product. But again, these great ideas. I mean, that's the thing, man. And people dismiss the Golden Age stuff sometimes for its simplicity. But it was written for a specific audience. And God, I'm sure Wade. I'm sure you've got those IDW books. That uh, reprinted the Superman comic strips, the dailies and the yep, Sundays. Yeah, got, got them all. That was another one. I'm like, I was sitting there going, hmm, should I write Superman? I look over to myself. I have as much Superman stuff as Spider Man stuff. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, all right. Um, so funny. But now, what I've literally done is I pushed all the Spider Man stuff back and pushed all the Superman stuff up front. So. Action 1000, DC Nation. Yes, then Action 1000, DC Nation Zero, and then Man of Steel 1 through 6. It's a weekly event, six different artists, all of which uh, handpicked for a uh, very special chapter, and uh, including my darling Kevin McGuire. Terrific. Who, uh, who I'm very excited. Yeah, it's Kevin McGuire, Adam Hughes, Ryan Sook, Ivan Rice, uh, Jason Fabuk, and uh, who did I forget? Oh, and Al- Evan Shaner. And who's was very fun to write for. Cool. And um, uh, and it and I think with that artist lineup and the imagery that you're seeing, that you're seeing that our our Superman is going to be um, very new, but but classic in that you know, uh, uh, not murdering tortured alien god, but um, uh, Superman, full of hope. You know what I mean? I do. You know? No, it's funny because a lot of the artists that was their their concern. They wanted to draw Superman, and uh, I was happy to tell them we were. But uh, okay, so speaking of the shorts, I don't want to get in too much of the weeds, and you can edit this back to the shorts conversation if you want, because uh, we got it. Um, but uh, so I, I um, so I, I was unaware of the shorts controversy that had been plaguing our culture, and uh, uh, um, uh, Dan, we were making our plans, and Dan goes, "Hey, you know what I was thinking." you should debut the shorts in Action 1000. And I said, oh, what's going on with the shorts? And he goes, well, we haven't done the shorts in a while. It's been a bit of a controversy. I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, bring them back. I think people will really, you know, be happy to see them and see you with them. And it does speak to what you're talking about with Superman. You're speaking to that. And I'm like, oh, great, thanks. 
And then uh, uh, I got a call from somebody else at the company that said, how did you get him to give you the shorts? <laughs> and I go, what? They go, you, how did you do that? I go, I don't know what we're talking about. And then it was described to me that the controversy has gone on for quite a while. And there, there's many schools of thought about the shorts. <laughs> and um, and, uh, and uh, the, with the shorts return, there's a lot of uh, healing going on at the company. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to be part of it. Uh, it was very funny that when the shorts got announced, uh, uh, it was exactly what I thought what would happen was people just screaming at me like I lit their house on fire. Uh, people are mad the shorts. that the shorts are coming back. Uh, uh, it, it is, it is um, no bullshit, 50-50, just as you'd think. That's insane. It is, it is a complete mixture of this is what Superman should look like and, and um, people going, Why? All of which, all of this will be dealt with in the narrative of the book. That's the shorts will not be coming back quietly. <laughs> it will be a, a point. It will be a point of gossip and and discussion within the halls and streets of Metropolis for many, many, many years to come. See, in my fan fiction, in fact, in fact it might be all the books about. I was it might to... be not about anything else, but people's <laughs> opinion about the shorts. In my fan fiction, he goes back to the fortress. You see him walking around corridors, opening different, you know, panels and drawers and stuff. And it ends with, "Oh, there they are." And then, you know, it, <laughs> you know, and then, and then it ends with him. But uh, you know, so there, so that, so. Wait, can I have that? I might, I might have, to, I might have to rewrite my Jose Luis Garcia Lopez chapter. Can I have that? Can you imagine sending that to him? Okay. Just what is this? Ten pages of him looking through drawers in, in the fortress. at the fortress. Yeah, yeah. There's a ray gun. The last page. Oh. There's that. There's that Phantom Zone projector I used to help save Monel. You know. My God, I want to do this so bad, John. <laughs> I want to do this so bad. I'm gonna have to give you a writer credit. Um, but I want to do like I want to do like now. Ten pages isn't enough. It's got to be like a Kira big. It's got to be like hundreds of pages of him looking through shit, getting with adventures. Breaking up the Legion of Superheroes. Just like, you know. Right, exactly. It's an excuse to do, like, some flashbacks. Exactly, man. Hey, I got this all figured out. I might, I might, I might have to bump my Jose Luis Garcia Lopez story. <laughs> you know, and honestly, for a second on Garcia Lopez, as I digest my banana that I just ate, um, I, uh, I met him at C2E2. And what a, what a beautifully quiet, sweet man. And I got to buy. Everyone says that I've, I've never met him. Everyone who knows I'm working with him right now says he is unbelievable. Yeah, just a gentle, gentle man. And he, uh, I bought uh, a DC pro, uh, DC style guide process page that had two versions of the Flash, a Batman and a Superman. And I'm like, this is perfect. And I'm killing myself because I should have spent the extra hundred dollars. And there was a great shot of him flying over Metropolis. All just in beautiful pencil, and Art Balthazar beat me to it. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, all right now. No, but, but I, I, I am. I, am uh, I, I have my limited edition Superman Cleveland lithograph signed by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, which has been a prized possession of mine for many, many years. And uh, you know, here we are working together. It's it's uh, it, it's Beyond, beyond. I'm going to tell you what. We're, you're a little muddy right now, so let's. I want, Am I? Yeah. So I don't know what happened. Keep talking for a second.
No, that's not it. It literally is kind of like how I think when Skype gets congested, it gets a little funky. Oh, okay. Okay, so continuing your point. I know that there are certain people tuning in to hear me uh, say something weird about Marvel or anything, but I I, uh, I got I to gotta say there, there, there's – there's no drama or gossip, uh, you know. I, I I I heard both companies' plans for the future. They're both very good. I, I, I there's more I could accomplish with what DC was offering me. Uh, there was more partnership involved, and the deep partnership that that Marvel just you know they're not they're not in that business right now, you know. So um, and and it, and it did feel to me. And I don't want to sound too, um, too like I'm I'm being so selfless, but it, it, it did seem that it, we needed some more of this. That the industry itself needs a little more uh, stirring of the pot, as it were. Sure. And sure. maybe if I got off my ass, that would force some other people to get off their ass. Um, and. Uh, it, it, it does seem like some of that has gone on, which makes me very happy. CB being editor in chief of, of Marvel brings me such joy. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to even process that I have such joy about it, and yet I'm not part of it. <laughs> it's very weird. I've known I've known CB more longer than I've known my wife. Wow. I've known CB a very long time, so it's crazy. To think of him as editor in chief, and um, also crazy that I, I'm, I'm not there for it. But I do know that with CB there, what you know, I helped did not build, but helped build um, over the course of the last few years will maintain and thrive. And what else could you ever hope for? Understood. You're so, a little, you're a little muffled. So if you can, okay, really, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm really kissing the microphone. So. Um, uh, I am of the very uh, unpopular belief that Marvel and DC are not in competition, that they are in the same business, that they're uh, doing the same thing, they're keeping the uh, medium alive. That means the world to so many of us. In fact, everyone listening to this feels the same way. So um, friendly, endearing competition will bring on great product from both companies. And uh, hopefully crossover. Agreed. And I and I will say, if this move of mine was to get the Batman Daredevil crossover going, it's pretty ballsy of me. <laughs> well, and again, that I think is why the initial thought was, well, of course he's going to do Batman. I remember, obviously, you mentioned it, you and Ed talking about it at a convention. I remember Bob Wayne yeah. kind of peeing in the punch bowl and going, yeah, that's not going to happen. It's like, all right, thanks, Bob. God bless you. <laughs> For those who don't know, years ago, and, I, uh, and, and this is true. Yeah, you were there. This is Chicago. This yep. is yeah. And uh, um, we were trying people behind the scenes at both Marvel and DC. I remember Mike Carlin was part of it, and Jim Lee was even part of it, and Ed was part of it. And you know, Ed and I came up together at Caliber, so we were like good friends. And there's a perfect example of very good friends in different companies. Uh, he calls me up one day and he's like, I want to do a Batman Daredevil crossover, but not just like a one shot. I want to do like a sprawling crime epic, like the godfather of Daredevil Batman crossovers, like Electra, Catwoman, you know, Joker, Bullseye, just like everything you can think of. 
and this, and I want to do it with you. And I'm like, I want to do this. And he goes, we should do this. And so he went to, um, and I went to Marvel and I said, what are the odds of this happening? And, and Joe wasn't a no. Joe was a, Joe was a, I want to hear more. Remember Joe came from drawing Batman and drawing Daredevil. It was, this was, you know, yes. this was intriguing to him. Sure. And, uh, um, and then we heard a 100% no from, uh, from uh, Paul Levitz. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, and this, this I will tell you was nothing but arrogance on my part. Having, is at a time in my career where literally everything was kind of working, like, you know what I mean? And, and I wasn't getting a lot of no's. So I thought, if, if clearly if he just hears my voice and hears how uh, sincere I am in story first, that he'll want to do this story. He's a writer, right? And so I call him up and I tell him, I go, listen, I know you said no, but I wanted a pitch from my heart just for a minute, just that, you know, you don't know, we don't know each other. And it was the first time we, we'd ever spoken. And uh, um, now I'm trying to think of the only time we've ever spoken. And, um, and I, I, I said, listen, here's what it could be. It could be so wonderful. And, you know, and, you know, my, my, my sell on a crossover like this would always be, and it would get people into the store. And what's more important than that, right? Sure. And um, he said, no, you're right, you're right. But I, I just don't want to go down this road right now. We have big plans for Batman. I don't want to do it. And and I'm like, okay, thank you. And then we hung up. And I still was so upset because I had a story in my head and I wasn't getting to tell it. I said, I bet if I go public with this, if I go to the people and I tell them that all these creators want to do this um, uh, this this crossover, that the public outcry will turn his head and uh, he'll do it, right? And I mean it in this kind of like, well, I'm going to put on a show, not in the, I'll force him to do it because that's not what I was meaning in my head, but there is a version where it sounds like I'm being a real jerk at this point because now I'm taking private business and I'm going public with it because I didn't get what I wanted, right? Yes. So I am officially now the jerk of the story. <laughs> um, so... I go online. I think on my message board. This this is pre Twitter, if you can imagine such a thing. I remember. And, <laughs> and I said, "Hey, I'm going to talk about something at my panel that I don't think I'm supposed to talk about. <laughs> um, but if you come to my panel, I'll get into it." And and I I did tell Joe I was going to do it, and uh, I I think I told Ed, uh, so people knew I was going to try something, right? Right. So at at the at at the panel, which was quite packed, if you remember, with a lot of press too. I remember it well. Um, yes, and, and and there was uh, John McLaughlin from Wizard and and everybody. Augie DeBleek. Augie was there. That's right. Augie was recorded there. the audio and, for CBR. Yeah, man. Because I remember Augie enjoying himself immensely. <laughs> I, I I've never made a man happier than I made Augie that day. A man who's seen it all at these Chicago conventions. And I was I was causing chaos. So I went on the stage and I and I described exactly what I just described to you, almost in exact same detail. And I and I said I, uh, uh, you know, I, I want this Daredevil Batman crossover to happen so badly, and all the creators want it to happen so badly. Oh, and Alex Malie was involved as well. It was Jim Lee doing the DC side, Alex doing the the Marvel side, and however we were going to do that, right? Right. And uh, and we were so excited and. 
all of a sudden there was a voice from the back of the room and said, that is not true. That is not true. And, and I, I'm, so, I'm sorry, who are you? And it was Bob Wayne from DC Comics. That's right. And Bob heard that I was going to try this and then came up on stage and yelled, it's not true, it's not true. And I said, which part isn't true? And he goes, well, the part that um, DC won't do it because, and, and now that I'm remembering, Paul did say, you know, Joe has said some very not nice things about us in the press. Yes. I, I don't want to do a crossover with him. And um, that is true. And, yes, uh, and I, then I, I have he, the quote. I remember the quote. I, but, <laughs> uh, you tell your story and then I'll tell the quote. Well, now we can leave the quote behind. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> People uh, look it up. That, that's, there. A, that's fine. Everyone's apologized. And, well, course, uh, and so Bob Wayne tried, uh, he, he literally commandeered the stage and, and, and said, this isn't true and blah, blah, blah. And, and so we had it out on stage and I was like basically saying, hey, audience, do you want to see a Batman Daredevil crossover? And they all go nuts. And then he goes, well, it's not going to happen. And they all go, boo. And I felt bad because it turned into a real wrestling like yeah, event. It was wrestling. But was. also it was my home turf. Like even though I'm the jerk of the story here, and I really am, I, I th- these are my guys, and I'm I'm selling them something they want, right? <laughs> so um, it put Bob in a terrible position, and then many people, including yourself and Augie, thought for sure this is theater to announce the Batman Daredevil crossover. Yeah. Except that it wasn't. There was no Daredevil. <laughs> Crossover. There was it was just theater with nothing to sell but my ego being shattered, and um, uh, and uh, and so so that was um, that went that went poorly. And I remember I just started getting calls from Ed, who was not at the convention, calling me, going, "What did you do? It's so bad." I'm like what? He goes, "I don't know. However, this is playing out on your end. It's so bad on my end." And I'm like, oh, "I'm so sorry. I I thought I was going to get it greenlit, but no." So, cut to 15 years later, they gave me a call and said, hey, you want to come work here? Exactly. That's a, and, and, yeah, it, you know, it, truly, folks, I, I understand Brian's concern, but look up the story. It, it really is hilarious. In fact, <laughs> I, I want to see if Augie still has the audio, and maybe we can uh, make something happen. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm very curious to see what it sounds like versus my memory. I'm sure it's worse. I remember being very embarrassed about it. I did see a video of it because years later, not years later, but that year, someone sent me a VHS tape of the Extreme. panel. Wow. With, with no name, with no name or note. Oh, wow. So I, I literally, uh, yeah. So, and it's a, basically a video of me with John McLaughlin standing behind me looking like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to break up a fight between Brian and Bob Wayne. And if you, t- if anyone has ever seen either one of us, that would be the worst fight ever. Oh yeah, man. Just, you know, just a terrible, terrible fight. And of course I don't hate him. I wasn't mad at him and I wasn't looking, I wasn't going to hit anybody ever about anything, especially about comics. And, um, uh, uh, so that wasn't going to happen, but, but it was escalating so quickly that John, I don't think knew it was going to happen. Yeah. So I have seen the tape. Yeah. I saw it years ago and, uh, I, and I haven't seen it since, but so that was, that was, um, again, I think expressing a deep love for DC comics in, in, in a way that very few Marvel uh, exclusive creators have done. <laughs> And by the way, honestly, you're 100% right. Bob, hey, man, Bob was just protecting company turf. 
and I totally and I understand too. Bob's a great guy, and Bob Bob's been on uh, Word Balloon several times since. And whenever I see him at conventions, especially now that he's in his own kind of capacity doing his own thing and stuff, Bob is very very happy and relaxed and doing great. And I'm always happy to see him at the. Conference. No, I mean I'm I'm happy to hear it again. I don't know the man at all, other than the the couple of times you ran into each other, that of which was one of them. <laughs> Uh, it was funny that because I remember for years thinking, what a weird move to come to my panel and start arguing with me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, like it's it, it's my show. You know what I mean? There's there's places where that same argument I would lose, right? Sure. But if but like if I formed a, a DC panel and started that, it wouldn't have gone well either. But it was it was funny uh, that he that he tried. But then it just shows you that how the years mature you. It took me years to realize that I was the asshole of that story. Well, and you, you know, know what I mean? I, I, I yeah. remember I probably told you this story on this podcast where I'm the coolest guy ever, but I, I'm not. It was a terrible thing for me to Well, and I got to remember the year, man, because it was either right after I started War Balloon or right before I started War Balloon. Because it was. I'm going to say 2003, 2004. Okay, then it was before. And Only yeah, I was based just, on. I was just a guy at the. I was just a guy coming to your panel, man. Yeah, if Ed was still on Superman, I mean on Batman, and he wasn't on a Captain America yet, so right, right. It, well, yeah, it, it, it might have been two thousand two. It might have been that early. Might have been, might have been. But I, uh, yeah, because and again, Augie was doing stuff for CBR back then, and I do remember being at Sports yep. News Radio in my career, listening to it on a computer at at that place that I was working. So that was pre two thousand six, and that's why I wondered if it maybe it was two thousand five. But I, but I think you're right. I think it was earlier. So I'll even say I was just I mean, one of we're those. Getting, we're getting to that age. We're getting to that age, big guy. Exactly. Well, we so. don't remember what happened. That's happened. <laughs> so anyway, so so yeah. So that's that, that's the story about that. So when people people have been asking about the, uh, I know I see a lot of uh, deep dives into the Batman Daredevil crossover joke uh, on my Twitter feed, and other people going, "What? What is this? The thing that's happening? How am I? Am I just hearing about this now?" And it's. Like no, it's never happening. Okay, because honestly, I was going to ask if if you were gonna, if there was a Batman plan. No, I, I I listen. I, I'm I am the newest employee at the company. They have, have said yes to so many amazing things that me coming in with this. <laughs> now, what I'd like to do is this intercompany crossover. Now, I'm not saying that one day I, I won't get up the head to do that. Because I very well could, but at the moment, just 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 figuring out Superman is an enormous task. Building Superman, rebuilding Jinx World, and building the imprint right now is all we're doing, and an enormous amount of stuff. Plus the TV and movie thing that no one knows. About. <laughs> all right. Well, before because again, there's so many questions about Superman to ask. Yeah, obviously, no, I don't want no. to spoil. But so is if I, know, know, I just won't answer if I can. Right. Well, like I got to ask about Clark and Lois because. Their relationship yes. obviously is so important to the book, and also I'll be honest, um, and and it's okay because again I really I love what Pete and Dan are doing and Pat Searcher and Pat Gleason and all these guys. I I swear I really do love this, but it 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 does seem like Clark hasn't been around much lately, and I wonder how the balance is going to be for you. And it's funny because I've had this conversation with Jeff Loeb, and you know I love Clark Kent, investigative reporter. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. I think you heard me talk about this a little bit already in the in the Forbes article, but um, I uh, in in my in my journey to make this change in my life, 
um, uh, start wrapping my head around. Obviously, you you know my deep love of journalism, yes, and it's it, I, it's well, well documented in my work. But um, uh, the idea that you know with, with Superman you get truth, justice in the American way, yes, and it's such a like Americana cornball idea, you, you can't even blow it off, right? Like, it, 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 but but if you really break it down, what it means, right? Truth, justice in the American way, like truth isn't something we can take for granted anymore. That's right. All right? There's a lot of people selling a truth, all right? And justice, we now know, is not for everyone, because we've known for decades, but now we have video footage and it is not for everybody. Uh, and uh, the American way the idea that someone can come here and live and be free. The, these, these ideas are no longer cliche. They are no longer uh, absolute. They are under siege. They are under debate. They are under uh, uh, some of it is in deep crisis. And the fact that there's a character who deeply respects these ideas and it may be his religion. If, if, if with great power comes great responsibility, is Peter Parker's religion. Then yep. the truth, justice in the American way is is Clark's, and he has to fight that. And you know what? Sometimes that fight isn't a physical fight. Sometimes that fight is only a fight that Clark can do. That Clark, investigative reporter, can do. Yep. Truth and justice may be a thing that only Clark can do, in in a deep, profound way. Right. And though, and though Superman may represent it as a physical attribute, actually doing something for truth is Clark's job. And also, you got to remember. Clark chose to be a reporter. Yes. Everything else has kind of been thrust upon him. Yep. The one thing he chose to do that really feels a deep level that I can do this, that I need to do this is being a reporter. So that's how important I think it is to the character. And while I was talking about it with our my new editors, you know, I, 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 you know, almost only refer to him as Clark and, and not Superman or even Cal, uh, even though to some people he's Cal and to sure. some people he's Superman. But it's Clark that I think we should need, we need to write about more. That's great um, to hear. That yeah. I need, uh, that I need to write about more. And, and that's Clark the reporter, Clark the father, Clark the guardian, Clark the adopted person, Clark the refugee. Clark, you know, Clark is many, many things to many, many people. Clark, the Clark, the farm boy, you know, he, there's many, many parts to him and they, and they make an amazing stew. It's the most unique stew of, of anything in pop culture. Uh, and, and he's an adult, you know, he, he's a grown man and, uh, who's, who's seen and done a lot. And, and this is, uh, uh, the, the Clark that I'm writing. That's great. That's great to hear. How about Lois? Because again, Lois, I think, is the secret. Who is Lois? Yes, Which one secret, is Lois? The, the secret the weapon the of the DC universe. And it drives me crazy that there are, really, again, in the last 10 years, when women rightfully have stood up, women comic fans, we want more representation. And everything. It's like, Jesus Christ, DC, you are sitting on the greatest female character in comic books, period. Even better than Wonder Woman, and, and I'm telling you well, because she's a strong civilian you. woman. Go on. <laughs> I like how you're yelling at me like I don't know. Well, yeah, but, well, I'm um, doing that for the audience to know how much I love Lois, and uh, we all love Lois. So, so Lois, is, yes, I, I think Lois is. Uh, and and by the way, the work that's been done on Lois over the last like 15, 20 years has been quite amazing. There's been a lot of real depth of character built into her. 
Greg Rucka, very responsible for some of that. Absolutely. And 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 I'll, we'll talk about this when we talk about the sickness. But uh, you know, sitting in my in my hospital bed, talking about Superman and Lois uh, with Greg in in the darkness of night was just one of the great joys of my adult life. Doesn't you know, surprise me. Go on. Uh, yeah, just an amazing person, and uh, and so yeah, so so Lois means a lot, and um, her marriage is like her eighth most interesting thing about her, and she's married to the most interesting men in the on the universe, and I think it's the eighth most interesting thing about her. Great. So yeah, I, I, I we're we're gonna dig in dig in very deep on Lois. Well, and again, that's why the reset of Rebirth was so great, where it's like okay. She's back, and again, no, no disrespect to the people of uh, New Fifty Two and and DCU, but I, I agree with you. I think the last time Lois was great was when Greg was writing her, and you know, you, well, I, didn't know no, I didn't say that. I, I said, said the, that. the the villain box that you are you are talking about. <laughs> no, but you literally said I agree with you. Oh, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. Well, I agree with you in terms of how well, great she is, and yeah, and yes. her and the potential for her representation in the DC universe. Because again. Like you said, she has walked among gods. She is a civilian and yeah. held her own Absolutely. while walking among gods. And speaking to them directly, challenging them from a very human standpoint, that is the greatness of Lois. And, yeah, it's and it's come in flashes. And, again, I think, I think uh, since Rebirth in particular, Lois is invigorated with a much more clearer purpose. And they're teammates. And, again, from the radio show and, well, more importantly, that uh, Jerry Siegel idea – that uh, he wanted to do in the comics and that was uncovered by Wade, Mark Wade, when he was going through the DC archives. I don't know if you know this story where, you know, he, they were going to reveal Superman, you know, Clark was going to reveal himself to Lois and the plan was, great, now we're a team. Now you and I are going to kind of hit yeah, this stuff. I do, from, I do know this. Yeah, from a reporter yeah. standpoint. And so Clark and Lois were going to be the, the leg men of the story, and then you know, yeah, when you need the powers, he'll slip in the phone booth and change into Superman. So no, I'm really excited to hear that. That's great. Yeah, now and go, going back to the Clark of it all, though, is that sometimes being Superman would be the worst thing he could do for the truth. Like, um, there, yeah, he could force his truth with Superman, but sure. that's that that's that's a betrayal of the truth. So that that's that's where that's where Clark has to come in is that sometimes being Superman is the least thing he can do. Whereas with Lois, she may be the most fearless person in all of comics. I mean, like truly fearless. And, you know, it's just I I can't I I just can't wait to dig in deeper and deeper with every issue. That's awesome. And and really, let's yeah. stick, let's stick with the cast because it and goes. and by the way, and a lot of people worried about the state of their marriage, the state of the family. You should be. What they're t- attempting to do is enormous, and it's so delicate and so precious, and there's so much pressure on them coming from so many different directions. You absolutely should be should be uh, scared for that delicate, beautiful relationship. Interesting. Okay. Wow. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> And the planet and where newspapers are today, that I would think would be good fodder. Because, again, I uh, I can appreciate the initial concern. Hell, man, Ultimate Spider-Man. You had, you know, Peter being a web designer for the for the Bugle as opposed to a photographer and stuff. Um, no, it, it's, it, I, I asked Greg uh, Pack this publicly. Uh, when will I stop writing Bugle when I mean to write Planet? <laughs> 
It's the it's the word daily that you know what I mean. If sure. it just had a different first word, I'd be fine. But it's the daily. I, my brain can't do it. But uh, um, it's truly interesting on a subtext level uh, because Marvel and DC are such different publishers and such different organisms. I'm writing DC. I'm writing the planet as if I'm writing DC, whereas I wrote the Bugle as if I was writing Marvel. If that makes sense. Sure. Well, or yeah. the Bugle was a dirty New York publisher. And Marvel still, even though it's Disney and all that, it's still a dirty New York publisher. And I mean that as a compliment. I love that. Right? You do too. You love, you know, grungy publishing, Absolutely. you know? And 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 DC's a, a shinier. You know what I mean? And so the planet is shinier. Metropolis is shinier. So I'm right I'm writing that organism kind of like uh some, you know, just some some context for myself interesting so would you say like the planet this is my observation based on what you just said the planet is almost like the new york times and uh the daily bugle is really kind of like the new york post uh kind of i i I think the the bugle isn't so post-like but he has he has um uh jameson has more post tendencies yeah like 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 he will do a uh he will do a post cover if he thinks it'll sell newspapers, but he he didn't do exclusively post like right, um, right headlines. That was always my take on it. No, I understand, but he yeah. wasn't. It's not like the Daily News, like the New York Daily News. Like every, it seems like every fourth one is 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 in the gutter, but half the time they're not. I so understand. that's for the planet. The planet's much more. Um, and we and we dive into Perry's point of view as a newspaper man. And it's a news and, and and working in a newspaper is yeah it might be out of business next week right and, and we're gonna and that it, it it may fold if we don't come up with a true story that they don't know today we may be gone tomorrow exactly and that's what it feels like to work in a newspaper all my friends are working newspapers in fact I'm heading down to the Oregonian later this week just to sit and breathe it in I'm so happy they're letting me just come in and just sit there. Oh, that's great and, um, to observe. Uh, just to get a, just you know, just like, just a, get a sense of what's going on. You know what I mean? Yes. I haven't been in a newspaper room since um, um, since Trump was elected, and I know the whole business is different from my friends. But I, I want, I want to feel it. I, I want to feel the angst. My dude, I completely hear you. Again, forgive me, but uh, yeah, I you know, in the '90s, I was at the all sports station when. Uh, radio was in a much better financial place, and now stepping into the CBS news station in Chicago and being in an active newsroom in today's economic and concerns and and everything, yeah, it is different, and there is a bit of desperation. And like you said, that's when really people really hunker down and do their best work is when there is that pressure. I mean, nobody wants stress in their and life, that, but that's conflict, and that's great for a story. No, and also it's always reflected the comic industry, you know. We're, we're we're always held together with um you know bubble gum and and Spit. paper clips and and, uh, and 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 you know and things come in waves and and so I always feel a reflection of uh newspapers and magazines Absolutely. to comics as well you know comics always seem to thrive when where magazines falter but it's it's because I think we're just better at finding enough stories to to keep us interesting you know, yep. uh, uh, so so yeah. So I like it. It gives me something to write about that I feel a, a deep connection to. Uh, uh, Perry Perry's a lot of fun to write. 
Cool. And Jimmy, I, I got to ask. Oh, go ahead. Yes, Jimmy. And we have such big plans for Jimmy. You were you were gonna again. You're gonna throw a staple up my head and you find out the Jimmy plans. We're so excited. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm the, I don't know if you were like this when we were kids, but when Superman Family was still coming out and they folded the solo books of Lois and Jimmy into Superman Family, and Jimmy was Mister Action. I loved Mister Action. I was a, I was a big fan of Jimmy this. running around being a, you know action reporter. Basically, it was fantastic. No, I just love like if you really know your history with Jimmy, like yeah, like. Dark Side debuted in Jimmy Olsen's comic. What did Dark Side? Yes, you're right. Dark of course Side? he did. Yes, yeah, second issue, second Kirby issue. Dark Dark Side walks in. That's right. It's hilarious. It's it's that's fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> so Jimmy Jimmy's got a a tremendous um, history as well. There's an archetype of a character there, but there's a real deep character. He's a phenomenal wartime photographer. You know, and and uh, and, and I love characters that. Just have this goofy air about them, but they're phenomenal at their job. Yeah, you know, like they're almost in, in contrast, and that's how I see Jimmy. I and I, it's, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really, I, I'm excited to put this out there and see what people think. And and again, I, I, it's writing characters that have deep, deep hope, and putting that out there in the world during this time feels like a good thing to be doing with your life. There you go, man. No, I agree. Well, yeah. and, and that's, and, and again, that's why uh, Vanita was very sweet. And when uh, the news came that you were moving to DC, she got a bunch of people to say something. And that's what I said. I'm like, this is the perfect time for Brian to take on this new opportunity and not even thinking about Superman, but just in terms of like new universe, fresh attitude. You had, I felt the same way. I mean, just as, as an observer, that you had pretty much climbed every mountain you could at Marvel. What uh, what was there left to do? And I really, especially culminating in like the Defenders, and as you said, Miles and Jessica and Riri, your concentration on those. It's like okay, what really? What else is there to do? So it was time for a new well, a new place for you. I thought. Listen, the response to my move and the response to me taking Superman has been so over the top that clearly it was the right thing to do. Like, whatever doubt, uh, like, self-doubt that I just live with because that's how I'm wired. Everybody's like that. It all disappeared because, and we can, we can talk about this, because the day of the announcement was batshit crazy in my world. <laughs> it was just better. Like, unlike I'd ever experienced. And, um, and I've had some crazy days. Uh, but what's funny about this was, you know, everyone kept, the, the, the five people who knew about it, Kept saying, "Oh, it's gonna be just like when John Byrne left. It's gonna be crazy." I go, "Yeah, it's not the the, the culture's not the same. I don't know if it is. You know, yes. I don't know if it's gonna, you know, you know, like our, if our president farts, that's it. No one, no, no one gets any press that day. You know, that's right. Um, it's, we live in a different world, and and I, you can't guarantee things like you used to. You know, and or uh, so I said, I don't know what's gonna happen. You know what? Let's just, you know, they, you know, they have their plan with the New York Times." And the and the and the tweeting, and then I said, "All right, let's tweet it." And I, and then I said to my wife, "I go." It was like six thirty in the morning. We'd been up for like a day and a half, getting all the pieces in order and letting Marvel know what was coming, and uh, um, talking to everybody over there, and um, making sure there were no hard feelings. And then uh, we we hit the tweet, and I literally saw my mentions going. And I go, all right, go to bed. 
And because there's literally nothing I can do now. And if I'm a big fucking asshole, then I'm a big fucking asshole. And like whatever it is, I'm, I'm going to sleep. And so I went to bed for about five, six hours. And I woke up uh, to, I think the first thing I saw was, uh, it was either Matt or Oming going, like my, the texts were just people screaming at me, wake up, you're trending. <laughs> and uh, like, like they knew it was the best version of whatever we were hoping for, but I was literally missing every second of it. Uh, almost like I'm a badass, but I'm not, because if I knew it was coming, I would have stayed up. So... Um, uh, it was Bedlam. I think Phil Hester had the best quote, which was congratulations to me on being an author that trended on Twitter without dying or doing something horribly embarrassing to myself or others. <laughs> so I uh, thought that was not only a, a very funny line, but something I'm actually proud of. And, um, sure. <laughs> what the hell? And, uh, uh, um, uh, but yeah, so I had, uh, we had announced it. I had gone to bed. And hilariously, at one point, someone in D.C. said, hey, Brian, you tweet it first, and then we'll retweet you. I said, no, if I tweet it, no one believes us. Nobody. <laughs> I tweet bullshit all the time. Nobody. I go, you tweet it, I'll retweet it. That's the only way to go. And so that's what we did. It was very funny. And... Um, uh, the other thing that happens, which, which is interesting, as I picked this up from uh, when, uh, the Howard Stern show, Gary Delbati would talk about there's stuff that happens in our universe, the Howard Stern universe, and then there's stuff that leaves our universe and becomes a bigger deal, right? Sure. And then for him, they were talking. He was talking about um, like that that horrible pitch. Remember, he did that horrible Major League Baseball pitch. Stern. Baba Booey. No, oh, Baba Booey did yeah. a, a, a horrible. Yeah, vaguely. Yes, yes. Yeah, horrible. And he said, uh, I knew it was the worst thing I'd ever done. It was the most embarrassing. All I could hope was that it didn't leave the Howard Stern universe, <laughs> right? And then they showed it during the actual gameplay and it realized, oh my God, it's left the Howard Stern universe. I'm dead. So, um, and in comics, that's what happens to us. Sometimes the story just leaves the comic book universe and me leaving to DC did because I heard from my rabbi. That's always when I know uh, like it's left our universe is when my rabbi has a comment. So, um, <laughs> which, which did happen. And, uh, um, yeah. And I woke, I woke up to sheer bedlam. I woke up to, uh, you know, just craziness. That's cool. Well, all right. From the joy of that, now now let's go into the timeline of uh, the MRSA scare and uh, what happened. I mean, because uh, obviously, yeah, if, give me the timeline. But just so, just so I can be clear, I, I was so blown away by the reaction to the move. And it's been so warm and inviting, like almost entirely. That I just I, I didn't want to take a minute on, on, on the podcast. I know a lot of people who are the happiest listen to this show. Yes. And I just wanted to say that I really, really appreciated how much you guys were into this move. It was very scary. It wasn't like a guarantee that everyone's going to be all into it. Uh, and, and just thank you. Thank you for being that that cool about it. It really, you know, my kids were aware of, of how well it was being received. Like, you know, it, like my mom saw that people really liked it. It was cool. It was beyond just being cool for me. It was nice that my family got to see p- people gave a shit. It was, it was, 
It was super, super sweet. That's amazing. And, and, I, and I was shocked that it played. Uh, and, and oh yeah, and, and, not, and we'll go back to the sickness in a okay, minute. Yeah, yeah. Where I lucked out was uh, Trump was on an international trip. <laughs> so usually at six in the morning, uh, he tweets some stupid shit, and that's it for the morning shows, right? Right. He was asleep on a plane, so we had like six hours before he did something stupid. That's good. So. <laughs> Um, so we literally that's what that's what that's what happens in, in PR nowadays sure. is, that, is that uh is that you find a hole and you throw your PR down the hole and and uh, and we we lucked out and it's funny uh same thing happened with the Superman announcement too which just uh there was a nice little lull in 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 what in in, in it was it was a what what calls for a slow news day which was that they didn't release the Nunes memo when they were supposed to <laughs> Day. So there was nothing else to talk about except what I might do to screw up Superman. So, yeah. so, so yeah, we lucked out with both announcements that there was uh, uh, the shit hit the fan the day after. That's so fun. So anyway, so yeah, so um, I let everybody in Marvel know I, I'm I'm uh, bowing out. I, I I start making my new friends at DC. We pop down to DC to meet all the editors to see who's going to be my new Superman editor. While, while we're on the subject quickly. Um, um, uh, I, well, I'm very happy to tell you, and I think you will be very delighted about this. Uh, my editors are Mike Cotton and my group editor is Brian Cunningham from wizard magazine. Outstanding. And for those of you who know, know that I've known Mike Cotton for many, many, many years. And he was our reporter at, uh, at wizard when we were um, doing it during the wizard heydays. Sure. And I like uh, Mike a great deal. And, uh, so I was, and, and it's funny, like Jamie Rich, who used to edit powers is an editor at, at, uh, DC as well. There was just, there's a few people I knew, but a lot of people that I didn't know at all. And even people who are friends of friends who like Mark Doyle, like me and Mark Doyle share like 12 friends, like good friends, That's but cool. I didn't know him. That's really cool. Yeah. So, uh, uh, it was, it was, it was great to meet people who I was told I'd love and did love and. Uh, and there's some people who used to work at Marvel who are now at DC, like uh, Bob Harris and uh, at Ski. And I worked with Ski. I only talked about Harris once uh, when he w- he was at Marvel, but it, but now here here we are at, at DC together. Sure. So it, it's crazy. So so we went down there. We met everybody. Had a good time. Uh, came back to Portland uh, for Matt Fraction's birthday. We took Matt and Kelly out to dinner. At this uh, place that we love um uh me and my wife the kids were all were all out uh for sleepovers which is a rare occasion so we actually uh got a room at a hotel that we like and and did what married people do and when i woke up the next morning uh i had like i felt like i'd been elbowed in the nose like literally like i felt like my wife had bopped me in the nose in the middle of the night which has never happened before but i was like that's weird i feel like i got punched in the nose like in the bridge on my nose, okay, you know. Okay. And then, um, and then all day it was kind of bothering me, but it did. It felt like a like a punch, like I bumped into something. Sure. Right. Uh. Twenty four hours later, I could not open my eyes or get up. I wasn't sure where I was. Uh, I had a uh, uh the MRSA infection had gone septic. Uh, I was uh, lying in my bed, uh, unable to open my eyes. Uh, I have not seen what I looked like, but uh, I know it was horrible. 
Uh, I, my, my phone would not recognize my face. That was the, the first bad news when I held up my phone and the FaceTime thing, sure, sure. his face recognition software and an iPhone. Yes. And it did not recognize me anymore. Yikes. So you're like, Oh, that's a bummer. And, uh, um, uh, I literally couldn't see, I couldn't get my contacts in, uh, and I had fainted. Uh, I was coming in and out of fainting and I'm not a fainter. And, uh, but the, the reality is that my wife saved my life that day because sadly, uh, I, I've now heard from so many and I'm talking hundreds of people whose lives were affected or ruined by MRSA infection. Uh, people just die. They just die because they don't know what it is. Right. Uh, it's, it's still not in weirdly, not really in the consciousness, even though it's really a growing situation. And, uh, I literally 90% of the people I hear from that person died. My father died. My wife died. They just woke up and died. Wow. And, uh, I woke up, my wife got me right to the hospital. I was three hours away from dying. Um, if I would not have lost the weight, I would have died. I was told that by four different doctors. If you were heavier, uh, it would have been a bigger problem. I, 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 I had pushed my body's stress levels to the highest order. I had lowered my body temperature to the lowest it can be lowered. I was in, I was in the ICU numerous times, uh, and uh, um, it was as bad as it could be. I honestly was so bad, I wasn't even going to talk about it publicly, um, but I was not where I was supposed to be. I was supposed to be at conventions and certain other uh, events, but I couldn't go to them. And so I said, I just should be public and, and say what's happened here. Uh, and, and not that I, I would ever be dishonest with everybody. It just seemed so serious that it was like, like a bummer to hear about. Like, you know, people were coming to me to hear for stories and comics. You know, I come in here to be all bummed out. I am. I almost died, but it was, it was a super bummer and it was my reality. So, uh, I, I told everybody what happened and immediately you know, the response was, again, so lovely, but it was just filled with people telling me how fucking serious my situation is. Uh, I have a lot of doctors in my life who are my friends. Uh, they came to our side. Uh, the doctors at Legacy Manual in Portland could not have done better by me. They, they, they saved my life. My wife also saved my life when the doctors weren't sure if I should get surgery. She said, I demand that you do the surgery. Uh, and when they opened me up, they found necrotic tissue on my forehead, wow. uh, which would have gone into my brain and killed me. Jesus. They did not know what was there. They did not see it in the, the, um, in the MRI or in the uh, x-rays, but they just didn't like how it looked. And that's why they were going to open me up. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was brutal, and I, I have a scar right, right in the middle of my, uh, like, in my brow, and that'll probably be there forever. But um, uh, yeah, so there was there was at least three times where my wife absolutely saved my life. Uh, Jesus. In our lifetime, she's been the one who's had bigger issues like this than I have. So it it's kind of been a reversal of fortune to have her uh, taking care of me when it's most of the time it's me taking care of her. Wow. Um, but, but it, she was unbelievable and also kept looking at me with such, uh, love that I didn't know how monstrous I looked. I did not know I looked bad because, uh, my friends never, never alluded to the fact. Now, every time 
and here's where I'm going to embarrass some regulars on your show and friends of mine. But, um, you know, or quite a few days I would just be in and out of consciousness. And, uh, every time I woke up, uh, one of my friends who happened to be these amazing comic creators, uh, were just there, just watching me, just taking care of me, just hovering over me. Um, there was one sparts of time where Matt Fraction didn't leave my bedside for three straight days. Wow. Uh, and I was unconscious for most of it. And he just saw what I looked like and didn't leave until he was absolutely sure he, he could. Um, uh, Greg Rucka, yeah. who I've known for over 20 years, uh, I'm shocked and delighted to tell you that if you ever get sick, Greg Rucka is absolutely the best bedside person um, you could ever have. He was unbelievable. He brought me baked goods every day, sat his ass down, and talked me through all of my plans for Superman uh, with just calm and patience that I did not know he had. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, for listeners who don't know real fast, Greg was an EMT uh, yes. before his writing career. So hearing that, and also knowing Greg not as deeply as you do, but I, I do feel, you know, a strong acquaintanceship with Greg and he is a friend and yeah, and yeah so it doesn't surprise me, but by all means go on. But Greg's nature is blustery and very Lewis Black like. Yeah, the bear. Absolutely, uh, man. <laughs> and it's why that's what I love about him, right? So it's like finding out that Lewis Black is the greatest bedside manner of all time. Just just absolutely lovely. And we had and we had the best time and it was just one of those times where uh, a lot, and there were other friends many of the Portland, I don't want to be dropping a, a million names, but you know, a lot of my friends here in Portland that are that are people who've been on your show were literally at my side the entire time, and it went on for weeks. It wasn't a small thing; it went on over seventeen days. Jesus. And yeah, in the hospital, I was literally screaming in the pillows. I was so upset. Um, and uh, but but I I left the hospital with that insanely crazy feeling of, Oh my God, I knew I had good friends. I didn't know they were this good of friends. Like I never, I never needed, I never challenged their friendship before. I never needed it, uh, you know, at that level. And, and just to find out your friends are th that good. It was, was quite uh, lovely. And, uh, and it's way, and it's my takeaway. It's, it's hard to get too morbid about what happened when the takeaway is, well, I'm really good friends. Holy shit. I hear you. But it was really hard on the kids. It was super hard. Yeah. Uh, the good news is, like, because also daddy's always here. Yes. I mean, you know, yeah. I know I run around a lot, but, you know, that three days a month I'm not traveling, I'm home 24 hours a day. So daddy being away for weeks on end and looking fucking horrible and scaring the crap out of them, you know, was, and then they handled it. So it was, it was tough. Also, the, you know, I talked about this a little bit. It was the first time in my life that when things were bad, that I didn't have the ability to write or draw. I couldn't see. I was, I was literally blind for many days, like physically unable to open my eyes. Yeah. And I, I couldn't write because writing makes me feel better and drawing sure. makes me feel better. And, and it was, it was unavailable to me and it was very confusing to me. And, uh, when, when I came out of it, I started dictating notes into my iPhone and, um, and they're pretty hilarious. And, um, uh, cause I, I was on all the pain colors and, uh, um, uh, but, but, but the, the other thing that happened was, um, 
you know, uh, Alisa you know, has to take over everything. And she calls up Joe Casada and CB and who she's known for 20 years and, and has a very emotional conversation with them. And then has to call Dan DeVio, who she doesn't know at all. Sure. And says, I'm sure we'll be friends later, but hold on to your hats. And uh, both Marvel and DC uh, were unbelievable. All my friends at Marvel were my friends at Marvel. Joe literally dropped everything to, to help me and help my family. And I've been an unbelievable friend. Right. And again, I have to remind you, I quit yeah. the job. Yeah. I left. Yeah. All right. He is well within his rights to just take a break from me. Yeah. Right. But... Uh, and instead, instead revealed uh, his friendship to be as deep and meaningful as you could have ever hoped and have nothing to do with our, our work at Marvel or, or, or the fact that our jobs are the same. It's just us. And it was absolutely lovely. And, and the reason I'm telling you this is not to brag of you. Yeah, I have so many awesome friends. I just thought, you know what? I, I, I left this experience feeling very good about the people I work with and the people who I've made my family around. And, and I thought a lot of people would like to hear that as well. Because you hear, you do, you hear about the, 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 the idiots talking like shitheads all the time. And you don't hear when people are being just genuinely great people. Or may I say, uh, as, as I referred to uh, the, uh, some of the writers who, who, who visited me, it's nice to see people uh, living up to the level of power and responsibility that they write about, you know? Yes. Like, uh, I think that's what I love about Matt, Ed, and David Marquez and Mike Gomi and everyone so much is that they, they, they don't just make comics. They, they, they aspire to, to be that good of a person. And it was just, it's what I took away from it. And I said, you know what? I will bear some of my friends and tell and say this. And I thought, you know what? A lot of people who buy their books, I think you'd love to hear that these people are just great people. Absolutely, man. No. And I, you know, I, and you know, you sent me a text when you were sick and I didn't want to bother you. So I pretty much did like, especially in those first couple of days, leaned on Oming and, and Fraction and texted them. And I'm like, Hey, you know why I'm texting? Is he okay? And they were great. And they, you know, kind of yeah, assured me. And, with, you know. Yeah. There were, and, and no one knew what to say. Well, and no sure. one knew. And literally every day we were hearing worse and worse news. Like there was about a week where it won't, it wasn't good news. Yeah. And uh, and I literally was sitting there going, I really want to write Superman. I was really looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and how dramatic the headlines would be. And he never got to write that story. Oh, he always yeah, wanted. Exactly. What and also, <laughs> I was seven issues away from finishing my my Marvel run. I had not finished Jessica Jones. I had not finished Miles. I had, so even that part of me was like, I really like to finish. <laughs> like, oh, he. Can you imagine I, I have one issue to go on Miles Morales and I didn't finish it? Oh, God. I'd be like, wah, wah. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, so I was, I was, um, I, I was grateful. And there was one time during the hospital thing where, uh, um, about a week into it, my doctor looked at me and goes, listen, you're on the antibiotics. I'm going to send you home. You've been here a long time and I want you to go home and chill out. And you're not going to be, you're, you're, you're going to, you're just going to get better. So you might as well get better at home. Right. So I was like, okay. So we went home and even though I could barely see, I had six pages left to defenders number 10. If I could just finish defenders, 
right? Yeah. So Elise had already called everyone in comics to say, don't bother him. Don't come at him. Don't ask him for anything. He can't see. He can't write, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's taking her very seriously. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I, I hand in what must be the worst, the worst typed script I've ever handed in. But I wanted to finish Defenders. I'm <laughs> like, if I die, I just want to have this. <laughs> so, so literally, I was sitting there on my knees at my at my table, typing one uh, letter at a time, finishing a Defenders run, um, and and then I handed it in, and then I fainted again, and had to go back to the hospital for ten more days. Yeah, I remember the relapse. Because no, my, yeah. I, it, it wasn't it wasn't better. He he was incorrect to send me home he wasn't incorrect at the moment he did it but it, it ended up it flared up again sure. so um wow. so i i was back at the hospital for a bunch more days and it was really frustrating but it's all it's all out of you now all the infection and everything. it is all out of me now it's been quite a few weeks i have um i still have an edema on my face what's an edema which is like a well swelling like a blood breath you know? swelling. yeah it's right on my forehead it really broke up this week Oh, is it um, like the Gorbachev kind of splotch or whatever? No, no, no. It's not a discoloration. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a swelling. Okay, okay. Um, but, but it, it really changed. Um, but it, it all, it's a right at the center of the bridge of my nose and my brow. Okay. So it looks like, um, it looks legitimately like, um, like, uh, um, latex, um, makeup. Okay. Like, 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 like Steve Martin and Roseanne. Then Roxanne, yeah, it actually looked a lot like um, uh, Michael Keaton at the end of Birdman when they blew off his nose. Yeah, um, <laughs> so it's got like a big thing there, um, um, and it and it goes away slowly. I'm still um, asymmetrical; one eye opens up more than the other, uh, okay. not too badly, but badly enough where it's a bummer. And if it's not better by uh, um, Emerald City, I might wear an eye patch, but. Um, okay. Only, only because I, I see uh, people having trouble looking. <laughs> oh, they don't know which which, so, which eye to favor. Almost. Yeah, they don't know which. Uh, yeah, and um, uh, but if I keep if I keep my other eye squinty, I look I look great. Okay. Like if I just make squinty, like uh, I got a poop faces, I look amazing. Right. But if I get all excited <laughs> and energetic, I I, uh, I look uh, I look um, uh, even less symmetrical than I did before. <laughs> Well, you took a nice picture. But the good news is, uh, I I I gained one pound in all of that uh, hospital. Hey, I, and uh, yeah, uh, dude, seriously. I'm, I'm four months later, I gained no weight. Oh, that's great. Hey, man, no, nice going. Because yes, I've I've seen uh, Slim and Trim Bendis. I'm very proud of you. Yeah. That's excellent. And I've gained every pound that you've lost. So no, it, it, <laughs> I I yeah I because uh, I had to blow it up a little bit because I have to take so much um, liquid and. Uh, uh, it's so much medicine to take, but but it, it it all it all deflated, and it's I only bring it up because when you lose a lot of weight, you get really panicked about if you're going to gain it all back, you of know. Course. Yes. Um, yeah, and and when you're in the hospital and yes. literally all you can eat is popsicles, um, you're sitting there going, "All right, I'm off the reservation," and and then and and uh, Greg found these amazing Hanukkah cookies that he keep bringing me, and they were great. They were just like cookies that were dipped in butter, and I did need them. Uh, to eat, like I wasn't eating anything. Okay. Uh, uh, but at the same time, I'm like, please don't get fat again. Well, sure. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah. Are you are you physically, you know, in terms of you know, bike rider and a hiker and a, the, the stuff that you like to do? I mean, well, yeah, I, I went, I went, 
I went for my first bike ride today, and I felt like that was like the the final the final stone oh, of great. I'm I'm gonna be right. I'm gonna be okay. Right, that a boy. Like, yeah, like I went I went to DC. I worked all day. I'm handing in scripts. I haven't missed any deadlines. I had, and for those asking. I have written every single Marvel comic except for um, I'm in the middle of Iron Man 600 right now, but everything else is done. Okay. Defenders, Iron Man, uh, Jessica Jones, uh, they're all uh, completed to my and completed to my satisfaction. Um, uh, yes, the the changes in my life uh, did reflect the ending of some of it, and we'll talk about that next time we talk. Interesting. Yes, I I do want to obviously have a conversation where we wrap up these last stories. Cause yeah, the legacy stories are great. And, and I'm, I'm again, happy but it, did, it, set me up. it set me up to be done. Like, yeah. like when you get to the end of my Spider-Man legacy story, yeah, that's what it's about. That's what the, the that's what, um, you know, I'm here. We, here I am with uh, Jessica Jones and the purple man yep. and she gets to a place where, yeah, that's what the story was about. No, that's awesome, man. And again, I, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, no, you're going out, you're going out swinging and that's terrific. And, and yeah, you're, you're right. The legacy, uh, status quo, I think, did afford everyone to kind of up their games, and uh, yeah, I you know, and I uh, I am offering this uh, independently. Uh, I like CB Sabolski a lot. I am very thrilled with that he is editor in chief. I understand the mistakes that he made when he was a younger man. People make mistakes when they're young, and, uh, and that's my so, comment on it. And I and I'm glad that he's moving forward. Um. CB, yeah, and I did. I did not know CB was going to be editor in chief when I uh, when I moved on. So that was that was the big question: Would I have moved on if I knew? And uh, it's 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 a tough one. I think I still would have, um, only because I felt like now I know it was the right move. Yeah. Um, but but it, but it, it yeah it it's um it's a good what if. Sure. No, I understand. I, I don't think my my issues would have been any different. You know? I, I could appreciate that, and and yeah, no, and yeah. I, I, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm I'm hoping for the best for Marvel, and I and I think uh, you know again they're they're in good hands. There's a lot of great creative minds over there. Yeah, like, Miles gets a movie, Jessica has a TV show. Insane. I'm out of here. Insane. I'm fine. Did it? Hey, and the Defenders uh Netflix thing was is certainly better than the Iron Fist uh Netflix thing. So there's that too. They righted the ship, I think, with Defenders as far as uh Iron Fist goes. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about Jessica. There's a lot of surprises in Jessica. I'm excited for people to uh see it. Absolutely. Fingers, fingers crossed. I haven't seen a, uh one frame of it. I because then now I'm out of the loop. Have you talked to prior to leaving? Have you talked to uh and I forget her name, forgive me, the showrunner. No, I, I know. I mean, I talked to her since, but uh, uh, and she was super worried about me when I was. Uh, that was also the nice thing about being ill is that I literally heard from everyone I've ever met. I believe ever any walk it. of life. I, I'd never been sick before, so I never had this experience, and uh, I know others have. But there was literally one day where I guess I made the rounds on, uh, from the Powers cast, and I heard from every single member of the Powers cast, and I was like, oh. It was it was it was sweet. I mean, it was like it was like this is your life, but uh, um, like oh man, but but sometimes you're like, is this what dying feels like? Because it couldn't be what dying feels like. Well, but you know, it was like, I I had my own near death experience back in 2002, and it energized me. And I and I want to know from your standpoint when I got well, I'm like, okay, let's you know again. I mean, you know, no no 
great epiphany other than uh, really like okay the clock's running the clock's not over but like let's let's get serious and maybe put more energy into what you want to do and i made a yeah no, you know boxing yeah, documentary it, and and eventually it led me to word balloon creating word balloon so yeah how do you feel in the post you know throes of of that situation it's an interesting question because as you know i had already made uh, big choices. Yes. I had lost the weight and moved to DC. So I had already energized myself, um, with both of these things. And, uh, so I, it's hard to tell if I'm more energized than what I, what I have said to, to people is what I, what I, what I am happy about is that I, I came out of a, a, a near death experience, very excited about the things that are in front of me. Like I didn't I come out of it and go, what have I done with my life? I, I, I came out of it getting very excited about the work in front of me, about the marriage that I have, about my children. I, I, I said to my wife, I go, it's so nice that I came out of this and went, man, I love my wife. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Because some people walk out of these things and feel differently. They're like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go touch uh, goats on a mountain or something. Sure. And, uh, um, uh, I, I, grateful that um, um, my lifelong pursuit of my goals and dreams uh, uh, at least brought me enough happiness where I could acknowledge it when I needed it. <laughs> Very cool. And I, I'm laughing because I, 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 I'm, only, I'm only wired to acknowledge so much happiness as a Jewish man. So uh, <laughs> even, even saying the word happiness out loud is kind of against the Torah. So it's, uh, it's um, uh, funny for me to say these things. But yeah, it, 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 uh, at the moment, um, I feel a relief that I love my life so much, a uh, relief that I have such great friends and such an amazing wife, uh, relief that I have such amazing, like I have a, I have a mountain in front of me. I, I set it up. I, I have a, I put a mountain in front of me to climb just when I needed a mountain to climb. Yes. You know? Yes. So, so it's hard to know if I'm feeling great about the mountain because I already put it there or because I, I, I desperately need it or both. But both of those things are true. Now, the one thing that is fucking with me and will probably show up in my work a great deal is, you know, the randomness of it, you know, like the, the doctors that worked on me made it very clear there was nothing I could have done to prevent this from happening. And there's nothing I could have done to stop it from happening. It just fucking happens. It's just out there in the world. There's mercy on everybody's skin yep. and it just gets into the wrong place at the wrong time. And that's it. And it's happening to people. Right. But there's nothing I could have said. It's like being sung like a bee. It's just your turn. You know, it's just the, the, the chaos of the universe. And, uh, that can mess with your head if you let it. I, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. That that because uh, I, I I guess just because um because uh, I write narrative fiction, I I like things where I can learn something from it. That oh, okay, that sucked, but at least I learned something about myself or my writing or my family. You know what I mean? I like at least I can take something from it. You can't take something away from. Oops. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. There's nothing to take away from it. Other than, boy, oh, boy, did I marry well. Boy, oh, boy, were my friends there to catch me. Um, and I even talking about my friends that are doctors who literally gave up their lives and stormed into my hospital room every night to make sure that these doctors were taking care of me. Uh, it, was, it was kind of amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, I know. Every Jew has some doctors. <laughs> me too. 
We have our doctors. It's true. I uh, no, I, that's that's excellent, man. And truly, uh, I I was of two sides because I wanted to keep my distance and let you heal, but also was concerned. And thankfully, again, going through uh, going through my, I saw you tweeted. Oh, this is if Bendis lives, this is gonna be the best podcast. Something finally happened. <laughs> I don't have to do my Walter Matthau. That's right. He actually has material. This is the fortune cookie. All right, listen, don't move. This is what we're going to do. We're going to take him for every dollar they get. did it anyway. He did it anyway. I couldn't stop him. So, uh, but but there was something magical and meditative about sitting in that hospital bed for a couple of weeks with nothing on my mind but uh, uh, how to end my Marvel run and uh, how to start my DC run and all of the creators that have done it before me and what they've done and, uh, and, and what they've done with it and, and where in my work can I, you know, reflect how I feel today, this unique feeling of being saved. Uh, it, it's a beautiful feeling. Where can I reflect that in work in a, in a profound way? So... Uh, these are the things I worked on. And then, of course, all the Academy screeners kept showing up. Uh, and I, I could barely see out of my eyes, but I'm literally watching the post with an iPad stuck in my eye because I was so excited to watch Bob Odenkirk in a Steven Spielberg movie. No shit. I agree. And I and I haven't seen it yet uh, because I didn't get it. Uh, the SAG screeners did not include the post. So this is my first year. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. This is my first year getting SAG screeners. So, yeah, it was, I, I, I understand the, the joy. Of, of getting screeners now, but uh, I uh, I was going to ask as you and, and doubly when you can't get to a movie theater, like there is nowhere to go, and, and you have discs. That is a great feeling. Did you listen to more podcasts? Because I would imagine having only your ears. Did you? Or certainly, I'm sure you were listening uh, to Stern every you day. Know, I, That's not a hint, by the way. I, I, <laughs> I, I didn't. I had so many visitors. Great. That I rarely was alone with myself. Good. Okay. Good. And I was so panicked about my eyes yeah. that I would try to watch things on my computer all day. I understand. Well, and then you, you, I could, yeah. No, go on. It's okay. No, that's what I was going to say. It was funny because it even occurred to me to sit there and listen to podcasts, and that probably would have relaxed me. And so I sat there and went, "Oh God, oh no." <laughs> Well, I wasn't even sure when I was texting you if you were reading it and able to type or if you were – I assumed you were kind of voice texting me back or whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, I was always voice texting back. Um, your text I was reading. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I don't know, but some of them were my wife was doing it for me. Okay. Oh, that's like, nice. All right. She well, would say, oh, it's Joe. What should I tell him? Well, and exactly. You know, well, that that's the of... thing, man. I, and the last thing I wanted to be was one more bullshit thing to worry about. While you, you know, while you were getting better, so that's why I'm like, all right, how you doing? Like every like five days or so, I'm like, how you doing? Was, it, it gave my wife, it gave my wife something to think about that wasn't this. Okay. You know what sure. I mean? Uh, no, she, she wasn't. She had it. She was in charge, man. She it was amazing. I understand. Amazing. Well, and and so, yeah. Go no, ahead. I was gonna. It, no, if you have more to say about Mercer, I wanted to ask about uh, your your last Marvel stories, but go on. No, that was it. Okay. <laughs> Just don't, don't get it. And again, it was it was the Mercer. The Mercer went septic for people who are yes. playing. Uh, it was it was it was the sepsis that really knocked my ass out. Well, I remember, and now I'm blanking on his name. The uh, MMA and wrestler uh, that happened to him, and I can't think of his name right now. And everyone listening is shouting it to me that does pay attention to MMA and <laughs> wrestling. Uh, but regardless, um, no, I wanted to know. Um, 
the feeling uh, if you if it's sunk in yet that you know Jessica and Miles and and Riri are going to be in other people's hands and you know has that crushed your no, mind? No, and- I'll tell you why. Even though I've written my last issues, um, they're they're not fully drawn yet. So I haven't done my last lettering pass. I haven't put my last issues to bed. So uh, so even though they're in the production. Uh, um, they're 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 still in production, so uh, not yet, but it will it will come to me, and and I I slowly see feel things like creeping up uh, in me, like um, um, you know, just just like what were my ten like people keep asking me honestly, what were your ten favorite moments at Marvel personally and professionally, you know, sure, stuff like sure. that. So it makes you start thinking about it, um, uh, and also you know, last week I uh, the Marvel retreat happened right. at the same time i happened to be at dc where it did look like a dc retreat because i was there with scott and josh and jim lee's there so there are a lot of creators there but um i was not at the marvel retreat with all of my friends right. uh, and and a couple of people who were there who are not my friends and um and and joe literally sent me the cutest picture from the retreat and and was missing me from the retreat, and I was sending him stuff. It was super cute. Very cute. It was. I was. It was as lovely as I could have hoped. Excellent. You know what I mean. So I. So I did have the last week the first sense of oh they're they're planning they're planning without me, and I don't know what the plan is. I'm out of the plan loop. You're out of the loop. I don't. I don't know the plan anymore. Loop's gone. That's it. No loop. We got to do Seinfeld. No loop. <laughs> I know. So, but I did. I speaking of Seinfeld, I did desperately. Want to do a um, uh, George Costanza, and when I found out the retreat was happening, I wanted to just show up at the retreat with a newspaper and pretend I never quit. <laughs> like, oh, you thought I was jo- I was joking? Joking. <laughs> That's a great episode, classic, and Larry David, oh. real Larry David story, of course. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's because right, it's from kind of live. Yeah, I, I wanted to, I wanted to do it, but I was like, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back to DC and your imprint. Yes. What? Yes. What can you tell us well, about your imprint? Well, not much to say just yet. Not much to say just yet. But um, what's going to happen is the following: so Superman is the big launch, and then right on the heels of the Superman launch, uh, we're going to get into Jinx World. Now, uh, with Jinx World, we're going to be putting out Scarlet Book 3 and the new graphic novel Powers. Okay. Uh, but we're also debuting, uh, and this is all stuff we've been working on the entire time. Um, uh, we're also debuting a couple of new projects, big creators, very excited about it, worthy of this this uh, partnership, um, worthy of uh, the effort being put forth, uh, and we're, we're very excited about that. And then right after that, uh, in the fall, we'll be uh, debuting the first titles from the imprint, uh, which will be similar in fashion to Young Animal, but very different in content and delivery. But uh, but in that it will it will feel you'll feel that boutiqueness, but um, uh, the kind of stories we're telling and the characters we're using very different. Okay. And we'll get to that more as the time comes. I think we're going to be announcing the uh, new Jinx World titles at Emerald City. Okay. And, yes, you're going to be at Emerald yeah. City, obviously. That's the local show. Now, uh, beyond Emerald City. It's local. Four and a half hours away from Well, me. yeah, you're right. Yeah, Seattle and Portland. You're right. That's true. Uh, <laughs> the people in L.A., in, like, California, 
they think like Portland is like Burbank to LA. It's so funny. Yeah, no, I and, and I forget sometimes how far yeah the distances between Portland and Seattle. I totally get it. Um, yeah. So yeah, Rose City technically is the local show. Uh, yeah. But uh, so, are you doing? Are you know? Do you think you'll be at San Diego? Or, you know? Do you think you'll be at any? Uh, we're gonna yeah. And I'm gonna spend a couple more weeks of healing. Um, there have been an immense amount of requests and sure. and a play on the Floyd. So uh, uh, San Diego is a big maybe. It was a big no uh, beforehand. It's a big maybe. It uh, looks like New York Comic Con is a big giant yes. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah. So there, there's uh, um, a lot of craziness happening at New York Comic Con with DC. Uh, they want me to be a part of that. I was I, to, to show you how off the rails things got for us, I was supposed to be at the DC at DC thing. That was going to be my first big DC um, uh, uh, appearance. Yeah, yeah. But uh, – but I was felled. Sure. Felled by the horrible infection. I understand. No, so. yeah, totally. I just had the yeah, uh, the Benson sisters and Tom King telling me about DC and DC. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it sounded great. I, I love I love the idea of it uh, yeah. a great deal. Um, I, I, was, I was super into it. And again, the, the more there's ideas like this coming all year long from uh, from DC and Marvel, by the way. I know some stuff that Marvel's got cooking. Okay. And, uh, so I'm, and I'm uh, assuming because uh, Chicago is. But I just know more. I'm, I'm assuming because Chicago is before uh, San Diego and, and New York and everything that you know that you're probably not coming to Chicago. Uh, no, Chicago's on the table too. Oh, I, I, I haven't made final choices yet, but there's there's a lot of things up in the air, and uh, okay. I, I, have a, I have a I have a lot of writing to do. Well, and I know that too, uh, and I and I also know that again, you're just healing up. So yeah, you know. Yeah, but I I think I'm physically okay now. Okay. Uh, okay. I, again, and also it just you know. Uh, 50 is a big age. You're not sure. I'm like, uh, did, did I get my ass kicked or am I just 50? I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, who knows? I understand. So, Welcome to 50. So, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm with you. I'm three years ahead of you, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. um, so I will have a date for all that, all that uh, coming soon. I did bump my MIT appearance till the fall. I was going to do it this spring, but uh, it just seemed like an, too much. Was wow, that's that. fantastic! So, how I, about teaching? MIT in fall. Pretty excited about it. Are, is David handling the Portland State teaching uh, right now, or no? We're doing it together. I'm teaching on a Friday. Oh, fantastic! Me and David. Oh, excellent. Here's what happens: we teach, and David just hovers around me and trying to catch me in, in case I fall down, which I haven't done. <laughs> but he has that look like I'm going to catch him. I'm going to catch him. But uh, <laughs> and and David David was. Such a good friend uh, throughout all the ordeal. That's excellent. Just unbelievable. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. And for people who don't know, David Walker and I uh, teach a comic writing college class uh, at Portland State. Very good semester, too. Really talented group. That's excellent. Fantastic. Yeah. It's really good. Very cool. That part can definitely feel um, like I'm talking way faster when I'm teaching. And I feel like, oh, that's someone who almost died. Like, I'm going to talk really fast. In case someone kills me, I'm going to get this sentence out real fast. So I have to work on that. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, I, you know, we could be at the bullshit uh, portion of the, of, the, of the podcast or we could wrap. It's up to you. I, I, well, let's wrap now because I want to do more with you because I'm, I'm saving more DC stuff for you. Course. But this is, this, this was decent, right? This was great. This good, this is, oh, absolutely, man. No, no, no. We did, we did great. We did over two hours. We're, we're fantastic. Oh, did we? Yeah, yeah. How about that? All right, cool. See, that's an- yeah, a normal podcast. 
I know. Believe me, I know. Okay. And, I, and, well, and I always have that in the back of my mind when I invite people on. I, as I was telling you off the air, I had Dana Gould on. So we're balloon listeners yeah. and Dana Gould uh, interview coming up in the days ahead. Uh, the comedian and I, uh, you know, there's people like, so how much time do you want? I'm like, oh, God, I would have love two hours. And I'm like, is, is 45 minutes enough? Is that okay? <laughs> they're like, sure, no problem. And as I was talking to him, I'm like, are we doing okay? He goes, yeah, I can give you another 15. I'm like, all right, great. So we, we got an hour. I'm like, oh, that's good. So, because I've been listening that's to him right. for, you know, his podcast is amazing. And uh, if I haven't mentioned it enough on the show, I certainly will in the future. But excellent. Well, that enough about Dana. Back to you. Well, but let me. Let me just say that I, I said this a little bit, but I, I do want I do want to say and and the, the reason I, I I love this podcast with you so much is that we really get to like take a moment that's more than a tweet and talk about you know I I I, I know I may I confuse some people when I said I wasn't feeling like I wanted to go public with my um, illness because I, I I don't know I just I like I I don't want a pity party. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't. I, I like some people really like being pitied. They love it, right? I, I, I don't. I, 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 I'm not wired for that. So um, to go out with that was uh, uncharacteristic, and the response back was nothing but love for days in and days out. There was nothing but people uh, sharing stories and sharing good wishes. And to the point where I couldn't possibly individually thank everybody. In fact, there were some nights I was trying and it was, it was, it was, uh, almost crazy. And, and, uh, but with a podcast like this, I know a lot of the people who comment on my Twitter will listen to this podcast. Thank you so much for writing, for celebrating, for enjoying the craziness of moving to DC for, for, for legitimately worrying about me. Like I, I had, once I'd gotten out of the hospital for good and I had posted, I'm out of the hospital for good. Here's my eye patch. I'm still swollen. I thought, okay, that's it. I don't have to tell anybody anything anymore because who wants to hear my bullshit? Right. Uh, and, and then slowly I kept hearing from fans and friends going, you haven't updated anyone in a while. Are you okay? I'm thinking I'm sparing everyone my noise, but I'm really worrying some people. So um, I was excited to get on the podcast, not only to thank everybody, but to then also you can hear in my voice that I'm okay. Um, yeah, I sound my old, I sound like my old self. My my, I have all my faculties. Uh, um, I always had my mental faculties, but um, uh, I know with a lot of physical. Pummeling, you can sound like you don't, but I, I am, uh, I am okay, and I'm really grateful for um, the the friendship and fans that that came at me. And um, honestly, if I have I have a new pep in my step, if I sound a little crazed about all the opportunities at DC, yes, it's because of what DC offered, and yes, it's I'm super excited about it. But the fact that so many of you who so loudly told me keep going, keep doing, of course it affects me in a positive way. It is, it is, it, it is, I, I sit here every night with all those voices in my head going, yeah, r- write the hell out of it. So that's, that's where I am right now. And that noise is my wife texting me lovely things for me to get off this phone and to come uh, make out with her, which is uh, a great way to end a podcast. 
Now, what I did enjoy, and I'm not going to do it today, I promise you. I did enjoy that when I then I when I said that you and I were getting on the phone um, uh, today. The first comment was countdown to Brian hanging up on uh, on you. Don't you dare! That was funny. Don't you dare! Because I got stuff I got to talk I about. Done when we're years, but I haven't done that in years, right? And that's why it was funny. All about right, it. that's fine. But yeah, we got we got stuff we got to talk about very quickly uh, before we before we hang up. So, but no, seriously, man, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're. But, yeah, but, I'm thrilled that you're. I'm thrilled that you're better. I'm very excited about what's ahead of you. And uh, yeah, I'm. And you, you know, you sound, you sound great. So that's a big relief. Uh, I'm sure not only to myself but everybody listening. The other thing too is which was really sweet is um, I heard from a lot of people in comics I don't know. Like people who work at who work at comic book companies that I have no connection to, or just just people, just professional courtesy. How are you feeling? Is there something I can do for you? We're big fans over here. We want to help. It was super super sweet. It was also followed by um, some really amazing emails from other people in the industry, other people who are editors in chief at other companies, thanking me for my move to DC. Uh, for the industry. And I thought that was super sweet. And I wanted to tell everyone how sweet a lot of the people who make comics are because it really warmed my heart. So I thought you'd like to know. That's beautiful, man. And uh, I expect a, uh, a... And I leave it with beauty. What's that? You're ending with beauty. I leave you with beautiful thoughts. I like it. That's how I leave it. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to uh, an update. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully not wait... Uh, you know, a couple months, it'll be, it'll be sooner than later that we have a new benefit. Oh, no, no, we're, we're, we're going to have a lot to talk about this year. You're going to be annoyed with me yeah, this year, know, but, um, but yes, thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, you, but, uh, I do have one, one last question and then you can hang up on everybody else. Once I ask this Go ahead. question, which one is crypto? <laughs> the cat's streaky. The dog is crypto. The cat is streaky. Now, do we know why they call the cat streaky or do we not want to know? <laughs> Because that sounds like something. <laughs> Not again, <laughs> Streaky. Come on. Uh, Where's Comet? Where's Bebo? Right. That's my questions. By the way, I, there's nothing funner than I have a whole new audience of people to torture with the same shitty jokes I did at Marvel. Um, you know, people who are overly panicked about me screwing up some continuity. <laughs> um, they already hit me. You know, they, they hit me with, uh, um, you know, they heard some horrible thing about me on some website. So, uh, they come at me, please don't kill Lois Lane. And then I just write back, which one's Lois Lane? And they go, oh, this is worse than I thought. We haven't even, oh, we haven't even talked about Lana Christ. and where Lana fits into the whole dynamic. Uh, no, that, no, what was there? There's some good ones. It's, it is, it's a whole, um, you know, first you get those, uh, those uh, don't make Superman into a social justice warrior. That's my favorite one. Hilarious. Very funny. Not even kind of just. It just. I. I want to make a T-shirt of it. So funny to me. Such a great tweet. That is awesome. And uh, uh, um, and uh, what was the other? The, the the shorts is funny, but there was another thing that DC fans brought up that I went, "Wow, am I in the weeds on this one?" Um, oh, I can't remember now. God damn it! That's a, that's a good cliffhanger for our, our next Bendis tips. And and yeah, ended on uh, ended on crypto. Crypto's funnier. Ended on okay. that. <laughs> Okay, so there you go. It's just the beginning. Uh, we'll have another Bendis Tapes for you in the weeks ahead, and we'll keep tabs on the progression of Superman, Jinx World, and Brian's new mystery imprint at DC Comics, and of course his health, too. 
Uh, man, as you heard, he sounds great, and I'm glad he he said that at the end. He's right. He does. He's he's back, and that's fantastic. So uh, big relief, and really excited about the prospects of 2018 with Bendis, and uh, we'll be covering it right here on Word Balloon. Hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. Uh, it, it was brought to you by, of course, again, the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your support. Uh, if you would like to support Word Balloon and think what I do here is uh, worthwhile, you can uh, contribute and subscribe to Word Balloon by going to patreon.com slash wordballoon or click on the ad at wordballoon.com. But thank you very much for your support, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon was also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Just put the word Bendis in your, their search box, and you're going to find a lot of excellent product. Things like Moon Knight by Bendis and Maliv, the premium hardcover. Volume 2 is available at 42% off, $14.49. You can also get so many uh, volumes of New Avengers and Dark Avengers and Invincible Iron Man and Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, his regular uh, Avengers run that started with John Romita Jr. Um, just so many great books at great prices. And don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping. Of course, Ultimate Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Peter Parker when he was uh, also, uh, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man. Pretty great stuff from Brian at greatly reduced prices. So do yourself a favor. Go check it out for yourself. You'll find great books and a lot of other titles, not just the Brian Bendis collection, a hell of a lot more at InStockTrades.com. I can't recommend it enough. They do wonderful work with uh, their trades. They ship them nice. And again, if your orders are $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping from our friends at InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for joining me today. More great Word Balloon coming up. I mentioned Dana Gould in the uh, Word Balloon interview. That's the next one. Dana, if you don't know, is adapting Rod Serling's Planet of the Apes uh, original screenplay much different from the movie we got with Charlton Heston in 1968, much closer to the Pierre Boulet original Planet of the Apes novel. And uh, Dana talks about the differences, and we get into a great Planet of the Apes talk, and you know that's one of my favorite subjects, right up there with Star Trek. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a great opportunity to talk to not only one of my favorite comedians, but also one of my favorite podcasters, the Dana Gould Hour, which is usually about three hours, it drops at the end of every month, and it's really one of my go-to podcasts. So entertaining, and uh, it was just such a thrill to have a chance to talk to this former Simpsons writer. We talk about his IFC show, uh, Stand Against Evil, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy this next conversation with Dana Gould. Uh, maybe as much as uh, the other conversations we've done so far in February. I certainly think so. So Dana Gould talking about his boom graphic novel, Planet of the Apes Visionaries, uh, co-written with Rod Serling. Man, that's a great uh, byline to have. But uh, it's the next Word Balloon. Make sure you join us. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright 2018. <laughs>